Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And we are a member of the Pod Gods Network. That's Pod Gods. No, it's not PodGodsNetwork.com. It, it is PodGods.webs.com. Right. That's they got to fix that. <laughs> That's a pain in the ass. I don't know if they're cheaping out or what. <laughs> anyway, um, so you may have noticed that we've been gone for a while. Yep. But we're back. Uh, took a little bit of a hiatus. Um, had some... Had a, 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 a difficult month. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's one way to put it. Uh, what happened was that... Uh, my little brother passed away, um, and um, it was uh, kind of sudden. Um, I don't recall if I ever mentioned this on the show before, but he uh, he had a disease called cystic fibrosis, which is a pulmonary and digestive disease, um, and it's fairly rare. There's about 70,000 people worldwide uh, that have it. Um, and it's a genetic disease, so there's not really any cure for it right now. Um, so, yeah, the the a few days before we were supposed to record our episode that we were scheduled for that we missed, I guess we've missed a couple now. I think two, two, maybe three even. Yeah, um, the, found out that he was not doing well, and he he lived down in uh, L.A. And uh, <clears throat> you know he'd been in the hospital for a while, and that had just kind of become routine for him, just you know getting treatment to kind of subdue his symptoms. Um, but uh, things got pretty serious pretty quick, and where I, like basically a week before we were supposed to record, I you know. I'm, told you that it was sounding like I might miss the recording mm-hmm. and um, then uh, a few days later things stepped up another notch and ended up I guess it was uh, I think I probably told you that we might not be able to record on Monday and we were intending to leave on Friday and then Wednesday that's when things started to get pretty bad, and um, we left that night. Like we, all my family, we left our respective jobs early and left that night and drove through the night down to L.A. <laughs> For those of you who haven't driven from L.A. to Seattle or, or vice versa, it's about a 17-hour drive. And, um, yeah, we drove through the night and went to the hospital, and um, you know we got there Thursday morning. And um, Friday night, he was gone. Um, so it's uh, been a bit of a rough patch for. I can't even say just me and my family because everybody that knew him. I think is going through something pretty similar. Um, we, you know, we spent some time down there with, you know, family because my pretty much the entire my 
my dad's entire side of the family is down there, so spent some time with family, and um, we had a uh, nice memorial for him. And he was uh, he was cremated, and we actually took his uh, ashes to Huntington Beach and scattered them. Um, which was weird, like a few days after we did that, it snowed. At Huntington Beach. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, I was, I was down there for probably, I'd say about a couple weeks, maybe just short a couple weeks. Um, and then just you know, wasn't really ready to get back, back in the saddle, I guess. Um, for the next episode we were supposed to record, so, but. It just came to a point where it hit me, and it's like, you know, my, my brother, he, he wasn't really much of a listener to the show. Um, he was a big fan of Drunken Cinema, <laughs> <laughs> or I guess the concept of Drunken Cinema. Um, uh, but he, he was, he, he'd never really been much of a horror guy. Um, so I think he just, the, the theme of the show wasn't of much interest to him, but he was always really supportive of me doing the show. Um, and so I, I guess I knew that he would want me to, you know, get back at it and get back on track with the show and, you know, get back to having fun. So, um, so we're back. Yes. Uh, what's this? Episode 32. Yes. Um, may have known if you've looked at our website or any other you know, social media or any anything else you may have noticed we've made some changes. We've got a new look. Yeah. Decided we wanted to go with something a little more sophisticated, I guess. <laughs> you know, cleaner and something that didn't look just like a cheap Photoshop job. Yeah. Hopefully the, the new one doesn't look like that. <laughs> I put a lot of effort into it. I think the, the overall appearance flows better now. Yeah. It's, it's more... Uh, more cohesive. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, toyed around with a couple different looks. They were more or less the same, I guess. I really like the one we settled on, though. Yeah, it's. I, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I think it looks good, so hopefully you guys enjoy it, too. Um, we're really hoping, now that we're back, that we don't have any other <laughs> unforeseen absences and really we're going to try and come back strong with this and you know have a, have a good run i mean it's you know fairly early in the year so we're going to try and have our best year ever yeah we've got some uh got some exciting things coming too we've got an interview today we're working on some more interviews uh we've got a drunken cinema coming out this weekend mm-hmm. uh, and then we've got a couple more that we're planning we've already started working on stuff for halloween yep so uh, we're uh we're we're ready yeah and uh i guess something that i Wanted, wanted to mention almost almost slipped my mind um, coming up in May um, for those of you that aren't aware uh, May is uh, Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month um, and so in honor of my brother and in honor of the people that are are fighting with you know 
with cystic fibrosis, their their family members, and the people that have lost their battles. Um, we are going to be doing a month month's worth of episodes. Um, well, because we'll have our Crypticon episode in May as well. Yeah. But we're going to have another episode, and then we're going to squeeze in another special episode. Um, and we're going to try and set up some... Uh, we've actually already got one interview set up, um, and we're going to try and get like one or two more um, with people that are related to the fight against cystic fibrosis mm-hmm. in one form or another. Um, so hope, hoping that all works out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it may should be an exciting month. So, um, yeah. and I, I do want to point out that we have added a link to the cystic fibrosis foundation to our website. Yes. So, uh, you know, if you got a dollar, $5, anything you can donate, um, you just go to our website and there's a link right there to do so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you would have our undying gratitude for any donations you make to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So anyway, so um exciting times ahead. Um but let's focus on this episode and why don't we jump into some horror business. Okay, to start out with, um, keeping in the theme of <laughs> depressing things, uh, we'll start out with kind of our real-life horror section, I guess. Um, for those of you that watched American Horror Story Freak Show, did you, you watched it, did you? I watched, like, the first half. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't finish it, neither no, did I. I. It just, it lost me. You know, it's like, when I heard MPH was going to be on it, I'm thinking, okay, well, that could be cool. But I, I don't really see him in a serious role. Um, but you know, it's like I figure, give it a shot, and it just that storyline went nowhere. Really? Yeah, it was just boring. I just like, I, and it feels like this happens every season where I get super stoked on it at the beginning, and then it gets to the point where I just start taking longer and longer to watch the episode, and then eventually I just kind of stop. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean. Uh, you know, my wife and I, when it, when the um, season first started, uh, we were on top of it. And, you know, we we didn't have cable, so we would watch it on uh, on our Apple TV um, the next day. Uh, but it got to a point where it's like, oh well, okay, the new episode's coming on tonight, so we got to watch last week's episode, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, it got though, like you said, just those days got further and further apart and so um but yeah I'm, i think i gave up like the last i think there was like two three episodes left and i just stopped yeah <laughs> i just I, didn't care i anymore. had more than that i want it was probably like five or six right anyway but for those of you that did watch at least the beginning of the season um you might be familiar with the character uh meet the geek it was that little guy that kind of dressed like a chicken and yeah. he would bite the heads off of chickens and that was his gimmick yeah <laughs> um uh ben wolf uh is his name and he recently uh let's say passed away but he was 
killed. <laughs> um, he was hit in. Uh, he's hit in the head by an SUV mirror uh, as it drove past um, on February nineteenth. So this is kind of some old news. Is <laughs> we've got a lot of news here that we set up for the episodes that we missed and. <laughs> yeah, we're playing catch up a little bit yeah. here. So you may be, may have already heard about this, but um, he passed away on February twenty third uh, due to due to his head injuries. Um, he was thirty four years old. Um, those of you familiar with him may have noticed that he was a small guy. He was about uh, four foot four. Um, and he was born with pituitary pituitary dwarfism, um, which you know would explain, I guess, why an SUV driver may not see him and how he could be hit in the head with its mirror. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's sad. He, uh, I had seen like behind the scenes interviews with him. You know, they, you know, they do all the characters and stuff. Mm -hmm. He seemed like he was a nice guy and happy to be part of the, you know, American horror story. Yeah. Um, I saw like pictures of him online and he, of him like at premieres and stuff. And it was just like you see him on the show, and like you said, he's almost dressed like a chicken. He wore like this feathered outfit, mm-hmm. but then you see him in like a suit, and he's all like you know clean shaven, and it's like it cleans up nice, yeah, for a guy who he bites the heads off chickens on. TV. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, he uh, that, that's that's sad to hear. Um, I mean, it's always a uh, a shame when you hear somebody die so tragically. Um, you know, just something you, you know, as opposed to somebody with a disease or some kind of uh, sickness or some kind of, uh, you know, long ongoing injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. When you when they pass away, yes, it's sad, but you know, you kind of know it's coming. Something like this, yeah. it just really, literally springs up out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, four days between when he was hit and when he died. So yeah, and you know, he was fine before then so right. it's just a real shame so uh our thoughts and prayers go out to he uh, his family and friends so. So the CW, which is home to Supernatural and the Vampire Diaries, uh, will be adding another and, and genre soon show. soon to be iZombie. Oh, god damn. <laughs> I forgot about that piece of shit. Uh, they will soon be adding another genre show called Dead People. This is coming from the creator of Californication, a guy by the name of Tom Kapanos, as well as uh, Bad Robot, which is a company run by J.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. or owned by J.J. Abrams. He probably has nothing to do with the day-to-day anymore. But Apparently not. Uh, it centers on a down on... takes the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sits in a big chair, looks down on high. You know, what it kind of makes me think of is, this is kind of unrelated, but uh, in um, Assassin's Creed... Actually, I, I was going to say Assassin's Creed Unity, but like pretty much all the most recent games... You kind of set up a headquarters, and you know you rebuild things, and you start bringing in income. And basically, how you collect your income is you go to your home base, you open a chest, and you take the money. That's kind of what I imagine people like J.J. Abrams <laughs> being like. It's like, hey guys, just here to pick up this, and okay, bye. 
Anyway. Uh, anyway, dead people centers on a down-on-his-luck, semi-alcoholic, but roguishly charming cab driver. After a near-death experience, he suddenly has the ability to interact with ghosts, including his late ex-wife, whom he has never gotten over. So this sounds like it's probably going to be a comedy. Probably. Uh, and it, it sounds really generic, like something I've seen before. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like a more grown-up deadbeat. A little bit, yeah. Um, Which, by the way, comes back in April. Does it really? April 20th. S- sweet. Uh, you watched all through all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I said, this sounds just really basic. I mean, like, it's just a rehashed idea that I feel like I've seen a million times. Well, and like, where does it go? He has a near-death experience, now he can talk to ghosts, and then what? Yeah. Was he fight crime or? <laughs> yeah, like, is the whole show just him driving around with dead people in the back seat, and he just yeah chats him up or? I mean, it, it sounds like it's like um, what's it? It's Taxi Cab Confessionals, but with dead people. <laughs> well, it's like what, what was that show with um, Jennifer Love Hewitt? Uh, uh, Ghost, Ghost Whisper. Ghost Whisper. Um, it sounds like that basically. Yeah, I guess. Or you know any other thing where somebody sees ghosts and tries to help them or whatever yeah which is like five different shows already but this guy is roguishly charming so (laughs) sure that clearly puts it ahead above yeah there are so many roguishly charming cab drivers yeah yeah (laughs) because you know usually they barely speak english and yeah and their cabs fucking stink like careful (laughs) Shit! I mean, <laughs> you just have this generic bad smell. I mean, <laughs> it's really hard to identify sometimes, but it's just a very pungent, offensive smell. It could be a combination of things. Anyway, well, I doubt his cab smells like that because he's roguishly charming. Because he's roguishly charming. <laughs> uh, Despite being down on his luck, right, and semi-alcoholic. Well, you know, you can be down on your luck and semi-alcoholic, but as long as you have charm, then everything's going to be <laughs> what fine. What is semi-alcoholic? I don't know. <laughs> you're either like, alcoholic yeah, or you're not. That's what I was just going to say. Like, like, having a drink every once in a while doesn't mean semi-alcoholic. Yeah. It means you have a drink every once in a while. Yeah, it's like, I guess if I had to qualify something as semi-alcoholic, maybe myself or, yeah, or like, you maybe, it's like, I will have a few drinks on the weekend, but not during the week. Like... <laughs> Every so often, I'm like, I need a drink. But it's not like I wake up and say, oh, I need a drink. <laughs> I think I could probably count on one hand the times in my life that I said, I I gotta have a fucking drink. Like, after, like, a long week. Sure. Uh, it's usually something traumatic for me. Like, when my when my brother passed, so sure. I said, I need a fucking drink. Yeah. <laughs> I need a few drinks. <laughs> um, you know, things like that, but... Anyway. So, uh, yeah, no word yet on when exactly that will be coming out, but uh, stay tuned. I, I wonder how involved Tom Capinos will be. Because um, I liked Californication. Did you ever watch it? No. It's pretty good. I mean, the later seasons kind of got a little stale and repetitive. As they tend to do. But, yeah. um, but I remember 
it was uh it was actually my my brother that um, got me onto it and at, I think at that point it was already like three seasons in maybe and remember I just binged watched all of them I'm like this show's fucking awesome <laughs> um but I don't know if he can do that again then it might be good the characters you know what now that I'm thinking of it this character sounds like Hank Moody which is Californication yeah it's David Duchovny's character I mean he's swap out cab driver for a struggling rider it's basically the same character <laughs> hmm. so that could be good or bad yeah Maybe they'll get David Duchovny to play him. <laughs> actually, David Duchovny, that Aquarius show, seems to be poking its head yeah, out. Yeah, I, I actually read something about that the other day. So that's interesting. Yeah. We're not reporting on that, though, I don't think. No. Oh, well. Um, just maybe, maybe Google next it. Time. <laughs> just, just fucking Google it. <laughs> um, all right. Move on? Yes. Grab your tennis shoes and your canoe and your old flat top guitar. Your fishing pole, your tent full of holes, and throw it in the back of the car. We're going camping. Are you ready for some camping? Out in the woods. So, Mr. Jason Voorhees himself, aka Kane Hodder, uh, is set to star in an upcoming um, video game. This is exciting. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a, a summer camp video game. I believe, didn't we report on this game once before? I know we rec- reported on last year, but I think we reported on this as well. Did we? I don't, I don't recall. I think we might have. Hmm, maybe. Um, it's going to be directed by Tom Savini, which is just awesome. <laughs> Wait, is it directed by Tom Savini? I know Tom Savini's doing the effects for it. For the video game? Yeah. Is it going to be like live action video game? I, I don't know, but that was what that was what I read. I mean, because if he's skilled with CGI, then more power to him. But right, um, I I was fairly certain he was directing it. Oh yeah, it could be. I don't know. Um, so, assuming Tom Savini is directing and or doing effects, uh, he's involved. We know that much. Yes. And also, Harry Manfredini, who of course did the soundtrack for. Basically, all the original, yeah, all the original Friday the Thirteenth soundtracks. Um, so this is a little bit of a Friday the Thirteenth reunion because Tom Savini was involved with Friday the Thirteenth Part One. Uh, you know, Kane Hodder was obviously the only actor to play Jason more than once, um, and Harry Manfredini, of course. Um, so this is pretty awesome. Um, uh, Wes Keltner. Who, Did we say the name of the game yet? I don't remember if you did or not. Oh, you know what? I think I did say it, but didn't really um, it, it imply exactly what the title was. The game is titled Slasher Volume 1 Summer Camp. It was originally just called Summer Camp. Right. And now they've added this Slasher Volume 1. Right. Um, Wes Keltner, who is the co-creator of the game at Gun Media, said, uh, Honestly, who else could we have cho- who else could we have chosen for the role of the killer? Uh, several people have worn the mask, but in our eyes, there was only one. Kane has the body type, the presence, and the demeanor that personify the unrelenting, undying killing force that we're after for summer camp. Um, that makes me a little concerned that they're basically just trying to recapture Jason. Yeah, it just makes me think of how uh, Crystal Lake Entertainment went after that game last year. 
And now I just feel like they're going to put these guys in their sights. Right. Um, I would love to see Crystal Lake Entertainment try to go after Kane Hodder. Yeah. He might actually kill them. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, Kane Hodder was saying that uh, everyone has their own skills. One of mine happens to be killing people on screen. <laughs> Marketable skills. Sure, yeah. Um, when Wes and the team behind Summer, uh, behind, I guess, Slasher, um, uh, came to me, I jumped at the chance to bring my skills to gamers around the world. Combined with the fact that Savini is on board and Manfredini is doing the soundtrack, this is a no-brainer. So, he seems real excited. Everybody seems pretty pumped up and jazzed about it, uh, including Tom Savini. Uh, he said, uh, when I was being considered to direct the next Friday the 13th movie. Well, let's pause right there. Yeah. This is news in itself. Right. Why, when did this happen? Yeah. And why didn't it happen? Yeah, instead we're stuck with Mr. VHS guy. Yeah. It's like. Uh, it, you know why it didn't happen? Brad Fuller. Yeah. Fucking Michael Bay. <laughs> He's always to blame. Yep. If it, Platinum Dunes is involved, even if he directly isn't, it's his fault. It is. It's true. Hashtag FMB. Yeah. Um, Savini went on to say, uh, Kane and I go way back. I'm thrilled to be working alongside him again. Hang on. You missed the end of that quote. Did I? Yeah. When I was being considered to direct the next Friday the 13th oh. movie, I was going to bring Kane back as Jason. Right. Ah! <laughs> Why is the world doing this? Ah, fuck me. What a cock tease. Um, yes, so he says, Kane and I go way back. I'm thrilled to be working alongside him again. In a way, this is better, and we let and we get to bring Kane back. He's the best in the biz. Besides, who wouldn't want who doesn't want to be Kane Hunter? Or better yet, who doesn't want to be killed by Kane? I'd be game for that. Yeah. It'd be fucking awesome. Right? Fucking get killed by Kane Hodder in a, in a movie or a game or something. Um, anyway, so Summer Camp is currently being developed, um, but it will be available for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. X-Bone. Yep. Um, uh, if you want to learn more about the game, is this site still valid? As far as I know. Uh, it's www.summercampgame.com. Uh, go check it out. Uh, if you have any thoughts, drop us a line and let us know. So, uh, joining the ranks of Trick or Treat and Tales of Halloween is a new horror anthology. This one is called Holidays. Holiday! No one can see me dancing, I'm sorry. (laughs) I forgot this is not a video cast. Right. Uh, This will be put out by XYZ Films in collaboration with Distant Corners Entertainment. Uh, It's being described as a group of subversive tales fashioned around globally recognized celebrations like Christmas, Easter, Halloween, and Mother's Day. I feel like one of those things is not like the other. Right. (laughs) Why Mother's Day? I mean, let's see, uh, Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Mother's Day. (sighs) 
There's got to be something else you could could have picked. It's like holidays too will feature Arbor Day, right? <laughs> and President uh, Washington's birthday. <laughs> Why not like <clears throat> shit? I, I don't know, like Fourth of July or something. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, sure. Yeah. Um, it'll be a series of vignettes, each one directed by a different person. On board so far are. Um, Anthony Scott Burns, who directed Manifold, Sarah Smith, who directed The Midnight Swim, Dennis Widmer and Kevin Kolsch, the directors of Starry Eyes, which was decent, mm-hmm. uh, Nick McCarthy, who directed The Pact, Scott Stewart, the director of Dark Skies, Matt Johnson, who directed The Dirties, Gary Shore, the, dra- the, the Dracula, the director of Dracula Undone, <laughs> and Kevin Smith. Who you know who he is. Right. Another guy where it's like one of these things. It's not like the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, he's like stepping into horror though, so. There's some asshole revving his motorcycle outside. He's so fucking cool. These are the times where I really wish he had like a recording studio. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we can put one in the basement of our bar or something. <laughs> We'll have yeah. an office slash recording studio slash bar. Yeah, guys, we're going to open a bar. At, slash coffee at shop. At some point, yeah. Um, horror themed, of course. Give us money. Yeah, go to our Go GoFundMe page that doesn't exist yet. We should just put one up. Just Why not? It. Horror honeys do it. Yeah, why not? Um, producer John Hegman said, Holidays is a great opportunity for some of the most creative and twisted minds in the genre space today to really let loose and have fun. This is the first project going into production for Distant Corners, which aims to launch four, six, four, six genre franchise. What? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, four to six. <laughs> it's just a hyphen, so it looks like four, six. Why would somebody, why would they type it out like that? Aim to launch four to six genre franchise properties annually. That's ambitious. Yeah, it is. Um, the cast is expected to feature big name actors, although none have yet been announced. How, do, how can they say that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure you want big name actors. That's all well and good. Yeah, but... we want big name actors on our show too. But yeah. Like... <laughs> God damn fucking Mike. Okay. Um, like we would love to have fucking Kane Hodder and Tony Todd on the show, but yeah, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah, but we're not Adam Green and Joe Lynch. Or Kevin Smith. Sure. Um, no release date on this yet, but uh, with, considering Kevin Smith is involved, you never fucking know when it's going to happen. I think I'm more excited for Tales of Halloween and Krampus. Yeah, I think I am too. Um, I mean, those come out this year, so at least those will be sooner. This We still have no idea when it's going to happen. Right. But, I mean, it's like Kevin Smith and... Um, was it Widmeyer and, and Kolsch? They're the only ones that like, I'm interested to see their stuff. I don't really know any of those other movies. Uh, Dark Skies, I recognize the name, but I've never seen it. I've, I've seen seen the titles before. I don't think I know anything about the movies themselves. But, I mean, it's like, I haven't seen Dracula Untold because I have it on good account to not see it. Oh, right. I'm sorry about that one. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's not receiving very positive reviews. Yeah, and now it's like, God, 
the whole universal monster thing isn't abomination. Like, isn't that turning out to be like like Dracula Untold won't even be part of that or something? Seriously, I I thought I heard that. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but it's like this is it's a fucking train wreck. Yeah. But, I mean, we're getting off into a tangent here. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, no release date on this yet. Um, don't even know when they plan to start, I guess. Um, we really don't know anything. Right. You're welcome. Yeah, we know nothing. Uh, but we uh, reported on it anyway. <laughs> anyway, so do with that what you would like. So, a lot of you are probably pretty familiar with the movie Martyrs. Um, I'm familiar with it, but I have not seen it. Have you? No. Um, I know that it is over-the-top brutal. (laughs) I believe it's Jessica Cameron's favorite movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've never seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. Um, I'm not a big fan of foreign films. Me neither. Especially if they're not, like, dubbed. Like, I'm one of the few people in this world that prefer dubbed to subtitles. Because I feel like I can't... Especially in a really visual film... I need to be able to focus on what's going on, not concentrating on reading. Right, yeah. I'm the same way. Um, So, um, but yes, it was a uh, French film directed by Pascal Lagier. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. Yeah, right. Um, Pasculé. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) That's like a combination and... Just a fuck up of both names. I remember there was a uh, a guy in the credits for I think it was it's either Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead, and his name was Pascal Buba, and, and I just loved to yell Pascule Buba. <laughs> um. So at Fantastic Fest, which again was over a month ago, <laughs> um, it was revealed that there is go it, there's plans for an American remake of Martyrs. Um, I, let's see. This is going to be directed by the the, the Getz brothers. Um, Scenic Route. Is that a film? I'm not... Are you familiar with them at all? No. All I know is their names are Michael and Kevin, but I really don't know that much about them. Mm. Um, there's actually been talks of remake for a while. Um, originally, Daniel Stam, who was the director of The Last Exorcism, was supposed to be the director, but he left the project um, in 2014. And now apparently Tommy Blum has stepped forward and purchased the rights, and now he is making it with Blumhouse Productions. Of course. Um, Yeah, and I I know probably a lot of you are thinking, oh God, they're going to just ruin another blood fest but I don't know there might be something you have to take in stride and just wait and see how it turns out that's not to say that doesn't happen all the times they take something 
um, that was previously, you know, if, if they make like a foreign film and they want to translate to a, to an American film, typically the American film is a lot more family friendly. Tame. tame, tame, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess family friendly. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't go, go that far. <laughs> um, but a lot, like a lot less gory, you know, a lot less violent. Um, and so I'm sure that's probably a concern of a lot of people, the fans of the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're probably better off just accepting now that that's going to happen. <laughs> you remember um, when when Blumhouse was like, when they were first up and coming, and it was like, I will see anything that Blumhouse does. And but now after five paranormal activities, it's like a oh, fucking Blumhouse again. <laughs> yeah. Um, the. I thought. Oh, one of their movies that we're reviewing for this episode was you know, Lazarus Effect. And oh, yeah. That was Blumhouse. Yeah, I forgot that was Blumhouse. Plus, you got Hellevator coming up. Oh, God. Hella. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> How can you forget about Hellevator, man? Hellevator, bro. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this remake will star Bailey Noble. Troyan Belisario, Kate Burton, and Blake Robbins. I have no idea who any of those people are. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but um, yeah, yeah, no idea. Yeah. So, oh shit, this is actually in, this is already in post production. They've already filmed it in post. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So this we could be seeing this fairly soon. Um, I don't know, I feel like I should probably maybe see the original first. Eh, I don't know if, if maybe first, but it might, might be good to see it eventually, so you can kind of compare and contrast, but... I suppose. It um, might be good to see it without seeing the remake, so you're not comparing it when you see it, though. True enough. I mean, I saw The Ring before I saw Ring You, and even though they both suck, I like The Ring better. <laughs> um... So look at it, Michael Getz here. Uh, let's see. Oh well, he um, des- was the title designer for The Wonderful World of Disney in 1997. Uh, he directed a commercial for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in 2005. All right. And um, let's see, he had a short 1998 called Mass Transit. A film in 2013 as a scenic route, and now Martyrs. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know, the synopsis for at least the remake of Martyrs says: Ten-year-old Lucy flees from the isolated warehouse where she had been held prisoner. Deeply traumatized, she is plagued by awful night terrors at the orphanage that takes her in. <laughs> night terrors. Night terrors. <laughs> her only comfort comes from Anna, a girl her own age. Nearly a decade later, and still haunted by demons, Lucy finally tracks down the family that tortured her. As she and Anna move closer to the agonizing truth, they find themselves trapped in a nightmare. If they cannot escape, a martyr's fate awaits them. Oh, they said it. They said it. Now I get it. Because because (laughs) martyrs. Um, Anyway, so if you are interested in that, you can do some research and um, see if you want to see it, I guess. (laughs) probably something on Blumhouse's website or something you can sure. check out. But yeah, no no trailer yet, or no release date, but we will keep our eyes out and let you know what we hear. Yep. 
So here's some news that, uh, I don't know, I don't, I'm not really sure if I'm happy to hear it or a little bummed out or, or, or what. But, you know, we've, we've talked about uh, Constantine on NBC being in some trouble, even though it seems to be a fan favorite. You know, people love it. You know, it, it's really popular with the kids. <laughs> um, but uh, critics hate it. Um, the the network doesn't want to give it any love whatsoever. Uh, they You know, they, they can't run ads during its time slot. Because they put it in the fucking death slot, so what the fuck do they expect? Um, so it's it's despite it being popular, people are not watching it when it's on. And we we discussed this before, you know how networks aren't really you know adapting to Hulu, right? And you know things things like that. Um, and they see the fact that people aren't watching it. At ten o'clock on a Friday night, you know, you're trying to get that that uh, demographic of people that are in the age where they go out on Friday nights. Right. It's like if you want to get like the forty nine to sixty <laughs> demographic, that's fine. Then make a show for that demographic. But if you're going to make one for people that like comics, they go out on Friday nights. Yeah. Put it on a Monday night. Exactly. Um, anyway. But despite the fact that people seem to like it a lot, um, it's still not doing well. And uh, something that NBC is considering is moving it to um, one of their other subsidiary channels. Um, the most likely one at this time seems to be sci-fi, um, which could be good because <clears throat> sci-fi, despite their shows being pretty cheeseball and low-budget, um, they they tend to do pretty well. I mean, like shows like um, uh, Battlestar Galactica and uh, Stargate SG One, uh, Warehouse Thirteen. You know, they've had shows that have done pretty well. WWE SmackDown, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so it seems a logical fit, I guess. I mean, this is obviously more horror oriented than any of those shows whereas they're more sci-fi um you know case in or you know, which 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 fits the name of the the uh channel um but it could be a good fit i think and maybe it would see a little more success uh cable shows don't seem to be quite under the same kind of scrutiny as network tv shows do yeah um there's a chance that should that happen, they might actually change the sh- title of the show to Hellblazer, which, of course, is the title of the comic book series, which only seems fitting. I mean, especially when they de- debuted the show and they're trying to set themselves apart from that shitty movie. It's like, why would you why would you name it Constantine again? Yeah. If, if you're trying to separate yourself from the movie, why would you give it the same name as the movie? Yeah. Just call it Hellblazer because that's what the fucking comics are called. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like that might be what ultimately happens um the yeah, this, is, this report also says that the the show would play up some of the horror and comic book elements if it were to move to sci-fi right instead of being more of a crime procedural like it is right now on nbc right which could be exciting because that's something that's definitely missing from the show is a lot of that's kind of the way it should have been from the beginning but oh yeah yeah um 
but because they're trying to play to a different crowd, I guess. Someone. Yeah. (laughs) No one really knows who their fucking demographic is. But, I mean, their cast is perfect. Like, um, Matt Ryan, he's like the perfect John Constantine. I can't think of anybody who'd be better to play him. Um, Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I guess the girl in the cast, the Zed... I forget the actress's name. Um, I could probably do without her. Her character seems a little monotonous. Um, but Chaz and Manny, the angel, they're all the, the central cast. It all works really well. And it's, it, it's it's sad for me to see that it's not doing well by the network standards. So Yeah. If, I, I suppose as much as it might sad me that it being moved to cable TV, you know, specifically to a channel that I don't have access to. <laughs> um, it's a little sad, um, but if it could save the show, then I suppose I'm all for it. So, um, I don't think there's been any, been, been any decisions so far. Obviously season one has ended. Um, and probably wouldn't expect a new season to come about until I'd say maybe October. Um, so there's still some months for NBC Universal to kind of figure out what they're going to do with it. And uh, once we hear more, once a decision's been made, we'll be sure to keep you updated. this episode on Saturday, March 14th, which means yesterday was Friday the 13th. Yes, it was. Uh, as some relevant news on that day, um, uh, who's the studio that puts this out? Nether Realms. Ne- ne- Nether Realms announced or, that... Nether Realm. Them. <laughs> they announced that Jason Voorhees will be a downloadable character for Mortal Kombat X. Yes! Tony pissed his pants when he heard this news. Dude, I I may or may not have squealed like a little girl when I heard this. He got a husband's bulge. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was fucking amped when I saw this. And, like, the, the announcement trailer, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, it, all it is is... It's it's black, and then um, you hear like, <laughs> except it's like you can tell they did it in their studio. It's chi 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 ha ha ha. Right. <laughs> um, um, so it's it's a little different. And it's kind of fast and quick. But anyway, it's when you know you hear, you hear that sound, and then Jason just kind of walks out of the shadows and just stands there, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it was just like I was just like ah. <laughs> um, so this is exciting. Um, this is I think the only one so far that has been confirmed as being a downloadable character. Um, there's they've got the the combat pack, um, which I believe is going to retail at twenty nine ninety nine, um, and thus far it contains. 
some bonus characters, most of them being like uh, former Mortal Kombat characters. Uh, I know if you pre-order it, you get a, a, a Goro download. Um, but there's been some rumors floating around that uh, some other characters could be potentially part of it because I know Nether Realms has actually purchased the rights to a few characters. Uh, a couple of them being um, Spawn, like the Todd McFarlane character, uh, the Predator. I did hear that one. Yeah, that would be fucking awesome. Um, I believe there's one other one. Jesus. No, not Jesus. Abraham Lincoln. No. Listen to the woman, John. <laughs> yeah, I can't find it. Fuck it. Uh, but uh, a fan petition has been circulating for over a month now because I know the story's pretty old. Um, fan petition's been floating around to get Odorous Urungus from Guar put into Mortal Kombat X. Um which I think would be awesome. That would be badass. Yeah. For those um, of you who don't know, um, Odorus Rungus, better known as Dave, Bro- well, better known as Odorus Rungus, but also known as Dave Brocky, uh, passed away in the pa- in the last year. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think this would be a, a badass tribute. And I mean, look at him. Yeah. He's got fucking spikes coming out of his shoulders. He would work perfectly in Mortal Kombat. Oh, totally. Um, so, like I said, there is actually a petition out there. A fan started. So, I mean, how often do fan petitions actually do anything, really? But um, there's there's one out there. Uh, their goal is, let me see, their goal is 29,000 signatures, and they've got 28,271. So they're really close to their goal. Um, I don't know when they plan to send this off, Uh or if they plan to just send it even if they don't get all those signatures or if they'll send it once they do get all of them. See, the beauty about downloadable content is it doesn't have to be ready when yeah. the game comes out. Yeah. It could be six months down the line, a year, however long. Because I know Freddy Krueger was part of Mortal Kombat 9. Um, and, I mean, it was the the new Freddy, so it was fucking stupid. But <laughs> oh, it was Jackie Earl Haley? Yeah. And he had two claws. What? Yeah, like or two claw gloves. That was the dick. Yeah, it was dumb. Um, anyway, so... We'll put the petition in the show notes. Yeah, um, definitely will. And, you know, if, you, if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, if you're a Guar fan, um, then definitely go sign this. Get them up to 29,000 and get this sent off because I think we would all really love to see uh, Dave on the screen again. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, like Taylor said, it'll be in the show notes, so go check it out. Wicked gay! <laughs> so I gotta say, looking at this, these pictures of these guys... This is not at all what I expected them to look like. They have to be a joke. <laughs> um, Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, the team behind Saw 4 through 6, I believe, um, they are taking over the Halloween franchise. Right. Um, 
as you guys are probably pretty well aware, Rob Zombie took the reins for the first two. First one was pretty good. Second one was pretty bad. Absolute shit. <laughs> um. So yeah, they're they're taking over, and maybe they can steer it in a new direction that doesn't just run it into the fucking ground. Um, yeah, it's being produced by Malek Akkad, who has been associated with the franchise since the mid-1990s. So that means he's responsible for fucking Busta Rhymes <laughs> and LL Cool J. This is true. Um, uh, Dunstan and Melton will be taking over from Patrick Luce, Lucier and Todd Farmer, who were working on a film that they had dubbed Halloween 3D, but they departed and now it is in Milton and Dunstan's hands for better or for worse um, they actually wrote 4 through 7 is that right? 7 yeah okay 4 through 7 as well as Piranha 3 Double D <laughs> um, they also originally pitched the scary, st- scary stories to tell in the dark movie which of course has been taken over by someone else John August at this point oh have you heard new news about that I I don't remember anything since we reported on it of scary stories Tell in the dark yeah no I haven't heard anything new hmm. okay so um, it's it's unclear at this point if they're planning on rebooting the franchise again or if they're planning on carrying over the Rob Zombie movies um, I don't know I mean these you know these new guys taking over that kind of because I know I know what they planned to do was make a third one. Yeah, that was the original that plan. Was, but oh, I don't, now that these guys are on, because they're they're completely writing a new script. Right. They're not working off anything else that anybody else was working on. So I don't really know what the plan is. Don't know. Um, well, Adam Green, how are you? <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, see, what is his name? Um. Um. Uh, Malik Akkad. Uh, he's actually the son of Mustafa Akkad, um, who was the EP on all the original Halloween movies. So it's a little bit of a legacy. Including Halloween 3? Probably. <laughs> um, so we'll see how this turns out. Um, I mean, obviously, it seems probably still a little ways off from even the camera starting to roll. But oh, Sources say it's not a remake, not a reboot, and not a reimagining. One source said the project is a recalibration. What? (laughs) What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. Jesus Christ. Who writes this? Who who allows this shit to happen? They just keep making up new words for remakes. Like, I don't care what you call it. It's a fucking remake. Yeah, don't fucking piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. You're fucking taking an original movie and you're remaking it. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're fucking rebooting it with a different story. It doesn't matter if you're recalibrating it with whatever the fuck that means. You're remaking a movie that exists. Fictional characters. (laughs) It's like, don't fucking bullshit me. I'm not an idiot. And despite what you may think, horror fans in general are not idiots. So, anyway. On that note, let's move on.
Uh, so, like, maybe we should have talked about this earlier, but, <laughs> um, when, um, Ryan Murphy has announced the new plan for the next season of American Horror Story, um, you know, as regular watchers will know, the last two seasons, well, no, I won't, I won't say, I won't go that far. I'd say the second season and this past season have been kind of rubbish. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the first season, the uh, Murder House was, was awesome. Yeah, it's um, still the best one. Uh, Coven was pretty good. It seemed like a, a good amount of people didn't like it. I liked it. You didn't watch it, did you? I think I did the same thing as I did with Freak Show. I started to watch it, and it just kind of lost interest halfway through. Fair enough. I liked it. Um, Freak Show, I don't know. I liked the idea of Twisty, but then, you know, that was over. So, uh, whatever. <laughs> um, so, the new one is going to be American Horror Story Hotel. Now, no, Ryan Murphy said that he's going in a different direction for the new season. Didn't really specify exactly what that means. Um, but, presumably, I'm... I'm kind of suspecting that Hotel might be similar to Murder House. I mean, if you were going to compare it to any of the previous seasons, that would make the most sense. Um, Probably the biggest bit of news about this, something that I'm begrudged to even mention, makes my skin crawl to think about it, Lady Gaga has been cast as Presumably the leading role. I mean, she's the only one cast so far. So. Yeah, at least that we know of. Um, I fucking hate Lady Gaga. Oh my god. Um. Anyway, so but the details about the season are being pretty kept pretty under wraps, so we don't know a lot about it. There's been a lot of speculation about what it could possibly be about. Uh, some people are saying it could be about um, uh, H. H. Holmes. The serial killer in Chicago mm-hmm. in like the what late 1800s, the torture doctor, right? Um, uh, speculation that it could also be about um, was that lady that she was caught on security cameras in an elevator in a hotel and then uh, found her in the water tower. Something lamb, All right? Yeah, there was that supposed to be that movie coming out about her. The bringing or something stupid, right? Um, which I think end, end up getting scrapped, as well should have. Uh, but there's speculation that could be about that, and you know, like, like I said, this is all speculation. There's been absolutely no leaks that I know of. I've even seen speculation it could be about the Overlook, mm. which would be a bad idea in my opinion. It'd be a very bad idea, especially because they're working on it. I think they're like in the very beginning stages of making a Shining remake, aren't they? Are they? I think. Or, I mean, but uh, I think that's one of those things that it's been being worked on for years. Yeah. So. People forget that it was already remade starring Steven Weber. Right. You know, the guy from Wings. <laughs> um, anyway. He, he played um, John Adams on Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Played Jonathan Harker in Dead and Loving It. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, fuck. Um, 
Anyway, so uh, lots of speculation. Like I said, uh, speculation. I threw he did. Yeah, go away, Baton. <laughs> uh, it could really be about anything at this point because, like I said, there have been no leaks that I know of. So any any news you hear at this point, aside from any casting news you might hear, or you know Lady Gaga or whatever, it's all rumors. So don't believe what you read. Uh, until you hear something official. Until you hear it from the Grave Plot Podcast. Right. <laughs> it's not true until you hear it from us. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, In, even then, it's probably not true. <laughs> right. We have reported on things that were not true many times before. We make up a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes we're right. Sometimes. <laughs> we were just talking the other day about how we keep seeing stuff from genre sites that's like... Breaking news, yada yada yada, and we're like, we talked about that a month ago. Yeah, <laughs> wake up, guys! You're yeah. supposed to be helping us. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, we'll keep you posted on this as um, as it approaches. Uh, presumably, the premiere will be in October, like it has been in the past. I would think. Um, so we'll uh, we'll let you know as you, as we hear more. So, Neil Blomkamp, who is the director of probably one of the most talked about movies right now, Chappie. I, I don't get it. I, I I have seen people on both sides of the fence. Like, m- most of the, like, well-known critics are calling it absolutely terrible. And then there's, like, fans that are just like, oh, my God, this movie is the best movie of the year. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It, it, looks, it, it doesn't look very entertaining to me. No, but, it looks dumb. Um, anyways, he also directed District 9. And he is apparently signed on for a new Alien Right. Um, exciting news. Yeah. Uh, it was originally reported that it was going to be a direct sequel to Aliens. I have since heard that's not true. That Alien 3 and 4 are still going to be in the canon, and this is going to be a direct sequel to 4. I'm, I would be interested to see how that would happen. Um, I know that... Actually... You know, I'm reading here that he actually said in an interview that it indicated that his film would be a sequel to Alien, the original. It, part one. Yeah, and basically anything Aliens on would be disregarded. Interesting. So I don't... Or wait. Well, I heard on the... Oh, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, oh, sorry, I read that wrong. You're... You, what you said, yeah, it was gonna, it was gonna come after Aliens. Basically, three and four would be disregarded, right? But I heard, I'm, I'll throw them under the bus so that if I'm wrong, that people can take it back to them. <laughs> but I heard on the Killer POV podcast uh, yesterday that that had been changed because people were upset. Apparently, people didn't want him to just disregard parts but, of the franchise. But but why? Those movies sucked. <laughs> No, actually, I'll t- I take that back. Um, was it Resurrection? 
Was that what it was called? I think so. Uh, I actually liked that. I think it, that's one of those movies that people seem to just fucking loathe, but I, <laughs> I liked it. Um, see, I liked it more than Prometheus, and you know, people might want to throw rocks at me because of that, but... <laughs> I still have not seen Prometheus. Eh, I, I'd say wait for the DVD, but it's already out, so... <laughs> um, well, also signed on to be part of this movie is Sigourney Weaver. Right. Who will be resurrecting her iconic character. Are you ready, Weaver? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She will be resurrecting her famous character of Ellen Ripley. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And, you know. Oh, yeah. Not not to, you know, ruin the ending for resurrection. Anybody hasn't seen it. But uh, actually, I'd say Alien 3, actually. um, Ripley died. Yeah, that's why I said resurrecting. See what I did there? Yeah. And then in Resurrection, she's a clone, but she's like a... She's a alien-human... Hybrid? Hybrid. Um, but she's, she's Ripley. She seems to have all Ripley's memories, but I'm fairly certain... She, no, she didn't die. So, I don't know. But, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that Scorny Weaver's still, like, almost 30 years older than she was even in Alien 2. Right. Well, Weaver says, I would love to take Ripley out of, sort of, orbiting around outer space and give a proper finish to what was such an excellent story. So when somebody like Neil Blomkamp suddenly says, well, I'm interested in finishing this story, my little ears perked up. So, there you go. Yep. Um... Another exciting bit of news for this uh, is that uh, Michael Bean has he's he's already been signed on to uh, um, reprise his role as uh, Hicks. Uh, Wait, is that true? I heard that wasn't true. Well, I've got pictures of him doing makeup tests. Yeah, I heard that was just him. Like he put those out as to like trying to like petition for the role. Again, this is what I heard on the Killer POV podcast. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that very well could be. I don't know. Um, I guess just one of those things where you got to let it play out and see what happens. So Yeah. Uh, but this is exciting. Um, Blomkamp, you know, he does his aliens well. I mean, anybody that's seen District 9 knows that. So. Yeah. Um, this could be good. Uh, and I'm actually pretty excited to see it so um we will keep you posted about it uh and let you know if we hear anything else all right folks hold on to your butts it's going to get contentious in here Uh, as we all know by now, there is an all-female Ghostbusters movie coming out July 2016. Uh, as we originally reported a while ago, it's, it's suddenly news to all everyone else, uh, Channing Tatum and Chris Pratt want to make an all-male Ghostbusters reboot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan Aykroyd... And Channing Tatum have apparently formed a new partnership 
that they are calling is it Ghost World? Uh, go. Damn it. Um, Ghost Core. Ah, yes. Um, which will be kind of a small production company with the sole task of making Ghostbusters movies. So basically, Dan Aykroyd is going to run this thing into the ground and then run it some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, because clearly, his acting career is going nowhere. So he's got to really just grab hold of the nuts of the one thing, one enduring thing that he's done that still makes money and just fucking squeeze. Yeah, here's a, here's a quote that proves exactly that. Actually, this is from Ivan Reitman, which is pretty disappointing. We want to expand the Ghostbusters universe in ways that will include different films, TV shows, merchandise, all things that are a part of modern filmed entertainment. This is a branded entertainment, a scary supernatural premise mixed with comedy. I think what he meant is all things that make money. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, it's, it's basically like it's, it's Power Rangers. It's something to sell toys. Yeah. It's... Which, like, why do you need new movies to do that? You can make new Peter Venkman toys and people will fucking buy them. Especially right now, Bill Murray's fucking hot. Yeah. Guy hasn't made a movie that's been, like, super big budgeted in God knows how many years. He's making indie flicks. Mm -hmm. But he's still hotter than he's ever been. Yeah. People are buying fucking Bill Murray t-shirts. Yeah, like the the Chive. Yeah. I I don't know if he, like, works with them or what. Or if they're just, like, licensing his image. Or something, but yeah, I you know I'm driving to work and I see a car with fucking a Bill Murray decal on it, and you know people wearing Bill Murray T-shirts and fucking Bill Murray tattoos. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, um, and the, the I think the the most frustrating part about this is that Dan Aykroyd swears that Ghostbusters three is still going to happen, not not another reboot, but like an actual. Sequel to Ghostbusters 2 featuring him and Murray and Hudson. He's living in a fucking dream world. Yeah. That's never going to happen. Um, you know, obviously Har- Harold Ramis isn't going to be in it. Bill Murray's not going to be Bill in Bill Murray's it. not going to be in it. It's like, I don't give a shit how much you beg and plead and say he's going to be in it. And he probably, it's, it's probably not even about money for him. I mean, it's. I know it's almost certainly not about money for him. Guy's probably got more money than he knows what to do with. Yeah, it's like he just doesn't want to do it. He doesn't see a point. Uh, I imagine he's got uh, probably a similar mentality to what Jim Carrey at least used to have. I don't know if he still claims this or not. Basically, you know, Jim Carrey for a long time, he wouldn't do sequels. I mean, he did did a... um, Ace Ventura 2 recently did Dumb and Dumber sequel, but he wouldn't do sequels because he thought that it was pointless. It's like, we we told the story, the story's done. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of get the impression that Bill Murray's kind of developed that kind of mantra. So, uh, I think Aykroyd, he's fucking chasing his tail trying to get Mil- uh, uh, Murray signed on. It's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, this uh, this is looking like a total disaster, and they're I'm, I'm so worried about what they're going to do with this TV shows and 
like I think I'm going to bring back the real Ghostbusters cartoon and <laughs> you know I mean I have a hard time saying that I won't if there's a Ghostbusters movie with Chris Pratt and Channing Tatum I'll probably see it I, see I could get behind that it's just all this other shit on top of it yeah and then you know you sent me that thing uh, um, quote or whatever or article I guess uh, Paul Feigrup, um replying or responding to all his criticism yeah about his movie and he's just fucking ignorant to all of it like he just he basically gave a middle finger and say he doesn't give a shit because he's he's essentially just going to make a shitty movie anyway like he, he, he basically blamed basically said anyone that doesn't like the idea is a misogynist right which i'm sure that's part of it for a lot of people and i'm sure he's probably gotten a lot of incredibly misogynistic criticism mm-hmm. but i mean at least for me and I, i'm pretty sure this is for you it doesn't make sense to just say we need to have an all-female ghostbusters no and now we're gonna have another movie with all male ghostbusters and what's next an all-black ghostbusters and then an all-hispanic ghostbusters this is not progress this is segregation yeah yeah and and, you know it's it's the thing is is like there doesn't need to be a new ghostbusters movie there hasn't needed to be a new ghostbusters movie since i'd say probably maybe five years past after Ghostbusters 2. It's just like, okay, that's done. No more sequels. Sure. Um, and now for them to not only take the name, the direct name, and recast it completely, and recast it completely with women, it's like it's it's taking a brand and change, like making it something else. It's like... It, it reminds me of like if you do you ever see the South Park episode about the Washington Redskins? Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Is basically they're just licensing a name, putting their own thing behind it, and selling it as this original product. Well, to me, the thing that frustrates me is that like he basically claims that anyone who doesn't like it is a misogynist. When to me, it feels like faux feminism. It oh, feels like definitely. look how feminist I am because I'm putting all women in my Ghostbusters. Yeah, like why can't it be a fucking Captain Planet menagerie of men, women, blacks, whites, Hispanics, Asians, midgets, yeah. fucking everybody together? Why does it have to be all or nothing? Yeah, it's like you think of like you mentioned uh, real Ghostbusters. Or no, sorry, this is uh, what was the newer one? Is Extreme Ghostbusters? Was that it? I don't remember. Well, it was basically a whole new cast of people. I mean, I think Egon was there kind of as like a mentor. But it was all new Ghostbusters. Oh, that was Ghostbusters, the new class. (laughs) Um, But it was a group of four, I'm pretty sure. Uh, There were three guys and there was a girl. It's like, okay, you could have balanced that out and made two men, two women. But it's like, then it just looks like you're trying to balance it out, and that's just <laughs> dumb. Uh, you got to think of how f- movie themes and practices work. It's like, that's how you that's how you create, that's how you drive a story. It's how you create things like sexual tension, and, um, you know, you have that, that sole female voice of, you know, a lot of times reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That speaks out against all of the other males, and you know it, it almost shines brighter because it's just that one person, right? And it's like he's not thinking that way. 
He's like thinking, oh, well, it's all these funny women. None of them are funny. Well, Kristen Wiig's funny. Um, and he's like, oh, we're taking all these funny women, and you know, to the, together they're going to be funny. And you know, if you don't like that, and you're misogynist, it's like, no, it's because this isn't Ghostbusters. This is a bunch of chicks fighting ghosts with the Ghostbusters name. And it's like, it's like people who are a minority and think that that gives them carte blanche to be an asshole. Sure. And, yeah. And if you say, "Hey, you're an asshole. You're a homophobe." No, you're just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so I mean, I'll, I'll continue by saying that uh, you know something I've said multiple times. Every time we've talked about this, pretty much, fuck Paul Feig and fuck Dan Aykroyd. And now, f- I, I didn't want to have to say this, but fuck Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Um. But I mean, if if they excuse me, if they can put out a good product with Chris Pratt and um, Channing Tatum. More power to them. I mean, I, I would love for them to put out a great bunch of movies and TV shows. I, I would love to be proven wrong on this. Mm-hmm. I would want nothing more. Yeah. But like we said before, up to this point, they have given us zero reason to be optimistic right. in my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's like, again, going back to the female Ghostbusters, we got a shitty director, you got a shitty cast, you got a shitty story. It's like, what, what do you want me to like about this? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I, I, I like Peter Dinklage. That's something. He's not even cast. That's no, not yet. But <laughs> that's the closest thing I can come up with. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not a misogynist because I don't like your shitty story. Yeah. Sorry. You can kiss my ass. <laughs> anyway, so I think we could probably spend all day talking about this. So maybe we should just move on. Probably a good idea. It was a zombie jamboree Took place in a New York cemetery It was a zombie jamboree Took place in a New York cemetery Zombies from all parts of the island Some of them was a great Calypsonians Although the season was carnival So our, our segue game is way off today um, we're Yeah, gonna... we did a really poor job of getting everything You know Laid out, yeah, yeah, organized. We're uh, we're bringing things back to Tom Savini here. <laughs> uh, Tom Savini is looking to remake the zombie film Nightmare City. Um, like I said, it's it's a zombie film originally from the 1980s. It's an Italian zombie movie too, right? Right. Uh, originally directed by Umberto Lenzi, who is involved with the remake, right? Uh, he is signed on as an associate producer, uh, as well as Dean Cundy, who's an Oscar-nominated cinematographer for movies such as The Thing, Halloween, The Fog, and Back to the Future. And he's also signed on as director of photography. Tom Savini will serve as director and special ama- special effects and makeup supervisor. Right. I don't know that he's ever actually. I don't know that he's actually done any special effects in twenty years. <laughs> really. I, I don't think so. I mean, I also... I all, God damn it. You can tell I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> uh, I keep seeing him as makeup supervisor when I do see him. I haven't actually seen him as special effects artist oh, or anything. Yeah. Um, 
So, like I said, some big some big names involved in this remake. And the best part is, you can be part of it too. Just give them your money. Because <laughs> yes. apparently these, you know, award-winning, big-name guys can't afford to make their own movie. Right. They currently have the project up on Indiegogo.com. There are rewards, of course. For only $5, you can get access to a secret website. Ooh. Neat. gets you a DVD of the movie. $35 gets you a Blu-ray. $45 gets you a Uh, T-shirt. $49, actually, will get you a high-res photo of yourself as a zombie signed by Tom Savini. So basically, you send him a picture. He does some digital effects on it and sends it back to you. Right. I could do that for free at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, for $150, you can visit the premiere. So that that's something that could be neat. Yeah, just what I want to do, fly to Pittsburgh. Oh, it's in L.A. Never mind, that wouldn't be so bad. For $400, you can visit the set. For $500, you can get a character named after you. Mm. So you could have Skeletoni in the movie. Might be worth it. For $600, you can be a zombie. And for $700, you can get killed by a zombie. For $5,000, you can get an associate producer credit. For $900, you can have a supporting role. Which, you know, it's not as good as a leading role, but... You know, you get what you pay for. I mean, normally people get paid to be in movies. Sure. (laughs) Man, these people, they've got a fucking racket going. Like, people that... Big big name people like this that put up crowdfunding things. I never trust it. It's not so much I don't trust it. It's just like well, I, yeah, I guess that's a bad. It's like bad choice of words, but I'm paying you to be in your movie when it, you should be paying me to be in your movie. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works. It's an exchange of goods. I give you work, you pay me. Usually, it's usually how it works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nightmare City is not a traditional zombie movie. Just like in 28 Days Later, I Am Legend, or The Last of Us, it's about infected people. It's probably best described as a 28 Hours Later. <sighs> Great. Mm-hmm. So they're basically running zombies. Yeah. Um, I guess even Tom Savini couldn't escape that. The cast, so far, includes Tom Savini, Noah Hathaway... From the never-ending story. What? <laughs> and Troll. Uh, Judith O'Day, who, of course, is from Night of the Living Dead. Right. She's actually playing... She's reprising her role as Barbara in uh, was Matt Cloud's Night of the Living Dead Genesis. Right. Um, also stars Robert Mooks from House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> hey, Robert Mooks. <laughs> Jimmy Wong. Bobby Mooks. <laughs> Jimmy Wong from John Dies at the End. And you! Hey! You know, if you give them all your money. Right. Um, so, yeah, this seems like something we don't need. <laughs> but if you disagree, we will put the website in the show notes, and you can go give them your money and star in Nightmare City, the remake directed by Tom Savini. Give me money. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, and if, uh, fans of uh, from the uh, from Dusk Till Dawn, the series on the L Ray Network, will be excited to hear that uh, L Ray Network and Miramax announced that they're starting the production of the second season of the show. Yay! Um, looks like uh, all, all of the leading cast members are uh, coming back: uh, Wilmer Valderrama, DJ Cotrona, uh, Zane Holtz. Uh, Isa Gonzalez and Jesse Garcia are all coming back. Um, he, uh, Robert Rodriguez is going to direct the first episode. Um, I think he, I think he did the same thing last season, right? I believe so, yeah. Um, and it looks like he's actually planning to do the same thing again, and having a a bunch of well known directors or you know fairly well known directors coming in to direct other episodes. Yeah, I know last season he had like Fede Alvarez and Greg Nicotero. Yeah. Some some good names. Um and uh Ah, there's one other guy I was trying to think of, but I'm not gonna waste time trying to think of it. Um so those of you that watched the first season will know that it pretty closely followed the first movie, just stretched it out quite a bit and um, obviously, there were some changes near the end <laughs> that kind of put a spin on things. Um, but uh, I think all in all, it followed the, the movie pretty closely, yeah. just in a full season version. Uh, looks like it's going to pick up from there. Um, I'm wondering if season two is just going to do the same thing with the sequel. Well, the sequel didn't have anything to do with the first movie, and it sounds like they're going to be the same characters in this, so... True. Season 2 begins with our characters in their separate worlds. Santanico and Richie are outside Houston, living like Bonnie and Clyde, while Seth and Kate are scraping by south of the border, and Freddy Gonzalez is protecting his wife and young daughter in a Houston suburb, and Carlos Madrigal and Scott Fuller emerge from the titty-twister Changed Men. They will all come together once again, this time facing off against an even bigger threat. Right. Uh, That bigger threat... Is going to be none other than Machete himself, Danny Trejo, who has joined the cast. So that's fucking awesome. Yeah, Trejo will be playing the Regulator. Right. Which is described as a horrifying agent of evil who has been summoned to perform a deadly errand. Yeah. Um, sounds really generic, but, I mean, it's fucking Danny Trejo, so yeah. it's going to be badass. Exactly. <laughs> um, and he was like, I was telling you before, he was like the missing piece in all of this. Like, he was the only one that was just wasn't there so for him to be there now is perfect yeah even though his character from the movies was in the series right but it was not him yeah and you know we talked about that too and it's like that that wouldn't have been a big enough role for him yeah he needs to have a more centralized it would have been like a cool cameo at the time right then it would have been like i wish there was more danny trejo right always always think that well yeah (laughs) um so like i said uh some additional directors to be directing episodes in this season are Eduardo Sanchez from the Blair Witch Project, uh, Alejandro Bru- Bru- Brujes Brujaha. Uh, from uh, uh, One of the Dead, uh, Joe Menendez from Ladron, Que Roba Ladron. Totally. I can pronounce that, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> um, and White Little. <laughs> The one white guy uh, who did uh, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. <clears throat> so it sounds like got a pretty exciting season coming up. Uh, 
if it's anything like the first one, it's probably going to be pretty good. Because it's, it seemed like the first season kind of started out a little slow. It's just like, okay, well, it's basically just an exact rehash of the, of the movie. Yeah. But then it started to change things and became a little more interesting. So uh, as time went on, it was a lot more exciting. So we'll see how this plays out. I'm, I'm excited for it, and um, you should be too. You, Taylor. Yes, I am. I, I greatly enjoyed the first season. <laughs> and you, the listener. Be excited. Be excited! So, when... The the Walking Dead companion series Cobalt Fear the Walking Dead was originally announced. <laughs> we we mentioned how strange it was that they had only ordered a pilot, considering you know slapping the name of the Walking Dead on it is instantly going to give it cachet. Right. Well, AMC has remedied that by ordering not just one but two full seasons of the show, which is now tentatively being called Fear the Walking Dead. Ugh. That's still a dumb name. Still not a good name. Um, Fear the Walking Dead, or whatever it ends up being called, is a spinoff series of the original Walking Dead, being executive produced by Robert Kirkman, Gail Ann Hurd, Greg Nicotero, and David Alpert. Um, Not much is known about it, other than it's going to take place in Los Angeles at the beginning of the outbreak. Right. So it's going to be more of a... Night of the Living Dead kind of feel than as opposed to the original Walking Dead, which was, you know, right in the middle of the apocalypse when the show started. Yeah, and you know, this is tricky because, like, it fools your mind a little bit because you've you know, you've been watching The Walking Dead now for five years, right? Five? Yeah. God, it's been that long. Um, yeah, so if Walking Dead's been on for five years now and you think, okay, well, we've seen how everything is post apocalyptic. I wonder how this whole thing started. And so now they're remedying, remedying, really, remedying <laughs> that um, with this series. But like I've mentioned before, this is just every zombie movie ever. Yeah. It's like the beginning of a zombie outbreak. What happens when, when zombies start to take over the world and human race has to fight to survive? And, you know, watching uh, society crumble. Around it, that's we've seen that a million times, and yeah. it's like this is nothing special. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how how theirs differs from from every zombie movie ever. Um, and like I said, we're gonna have at least two seasons to see how it does. Yeah, unless they pull a plug on it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think they will. <laughs> Um, because even if people don't like this, they'll still watch it. Yeah. Like people aren't going to not, people aren't going to watch the walking dead and not this. Yeah, exactly. Not going to happen. Um, so I'm hoping that this, the seasons of this run perpendicular to the original so that we just have walking dead all year round. Oh, you mean like running like this spring and summer? Yeah. That could be good. Um, and I guess it would, would prevent any confusion. 
Especially True. if like they ran it on the same night or something. That would be a bad idea, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, like see, Walking Dead's on Sundays. Yeah, so like running this on like a Wednesday or whatever, I think that would still be rough because people would eventually start to come to a point where they're mixing things up mm-hmm. and they'll be watching an episode. It's like I don't remember that happening, um, and so that's because it happened on The Walking Dead Los Angeles, right? Uh, so yeah, that's not a bad idea. Hopefully they do run them in separate seasons, um, or calendar seasons. That is, yeah. Um, star Kim Dickens also announced that the show will feature for the first time sexy zombies. Her reasoning was not because it was the beginning of the outbreak and the zombies weren't rotted yet but because everyone in LA is fake yeah and therefore their fake noses and fake boobs won't deteriorate as fast yeah and you know it's hard to naysay that because it's it's true <laughs> it, it is true but it's so stupid but it's still so grown worthy you know it's like ah come on yeah like you hear the term sexy zombies and you just go oh really yeah give me a fucking break but, yeah, like I said, it's it's really hard to say, well, no, no. <laughs> it's because, you know, yeah, fucking people in L.A., like, you go walk down, even though, like, the strip isn't a hot, as much of a hot spot anymore as it was, you walk down the strip on a Friday night, it's like, you're going to see probably 20 chicks with fake lips and fake tits, you know? Yeah. So. Um. Anyway. So, yeah, that is filming now. Um, no word on a start date yet, but when we hear it, we will pass it along. Straight the skin with my fingertips. The brush of dead cold flesh, a beat the meat. Provoking images, delicate features, so smooth. A pleasant fragrance in the light of Okay, last story here. Uh, we talked to you before about um, the prequel of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Leatherface. Um, that's that's a prequel to the original. Right. And, I mean, I I don't sense a lot of excitement about this. I'm, yeah, not from what I gather. Yeah. Um, but, uh, just so you know, they cast Leatherface. <laughs> um, uh, EastEnder star Sam Strike, uh, was he a Brit? Uh, yes, I believe he is. Oh. Um, he's in negotiations to play Jackson, who is Leatherface, even though Leatherface is named Jedediah, or Bub, or Bubba. Bubba, yeah. He's been called so many different names. <laughs> And now they're apparently adding another one. Yeah. Uh, it's really, you know, to keep the continuity together, it's like, how do you keep changing his name? What the fuck? Um, this kid looks like he's probably about 15, maybe maybe a little older. Um, and he will be playing. He's kind of a pretty boy, too, which is weird. Um, yeah, so. Did you say his name or did I cut you off? Sam Strike. Okay, I didn't know if you actually said it or if I cut you off before you got a chance. Uh, well, it wouldn't be the first time. 
Yeah, I'm an asshole. Yeah, you are. Um, Julian Maury and Alexandra uh, Bustillo, uh, French film- filmmakers, and uh, they're directing the movie. Also, uh, Angela Bettis has been cast as Leatherface's mother. Right. Which, when I first saw it, I was thinking of Angela Bassett, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, yeah, Angela Bettis, you might, well, you, you'd probably know for, for a handful of things, but thing, what comes immediately to my mind, and is horror-related, is she played Carrie in the TV movie of, of Carrie, um, which I think I've mentioned before that, that did, did you ever see that? No, I didn't. It's, it's not that great. Carrie lives at the end. Oh, uh, yeah, I think you told me that. Because they wanted to make it into a TV show. <laughs> a Carrie TV show, Jesus. Anyway, um, but yeah, she played Carrie in that. She's adequately creepy, so. Um, so anyway, um, don't know when this is coming out. I yeah, no, no release date as of yet. Yeah, but... Uh, I'm getting. It's really hard to get excited about this. It just seems like such a bad idea. I agree with you. But uh, I guess when we hear more news, we'll be sure to tell you. I guess. <clears throat> so uh, we, we've got a new segment on the show we're calling Remains. Yeah. This is basically just quick hitter news segments that we thought deserve to be mentioned but don't really deserve a conversation. Right. So we're basically our goal is just burn through these real quick. Yeah, because we're already running long. So, uh, um, go ahead. Okay. Well, first start start off with uh, two Stephen King books are being adapted. Uh, one one for the road uh, is being adapted into a long form short film. What the, fuck, the fuck does that mean? Does that mean <laughs> um, by Bonfire Films and Dark Farm Films? So I mean, like, what does it mean? It's, this is going to be hard to not have a conversation <laughs> about it. I got to assume it's like, it's not a true short film because it's, if it's long form, then it means it's going to be like half hour, 45 minutes. And that's not a short film. Um, based on the short story by story, Stephen King, one for the road follows Stephen. two, a- one for the road follows two aging Mainers, Booth and Herb, Tukey, <laughs> Booth and Herb, Tukey, Tuklander, uh, as they attempt, as they attempted to rescue the family of a motorist whose vehicle has become stranded in a ferocious blizzard, unfortunately for everyone involved, the car just happens to be stranded in Salem's Lot. That, well, okay, the town's actually called Jerusalem's Lot, but whatever. <laughs> um, uh, must be an oversight by Stephen King. <laughs> he might have had something to say about that. Um, the and also the jaunt. Has been optioned by Plan B. That's uh, Brad Pitt's company, right? Also, emergency birth control, <laughs> right? Uh, King first published the short story in the Twilight Zone magazine, but gained prominence in his short story anthology Skeleton Crew, published in 1985. It is a futuristic tale that takes place in the 21st century as a father explains the ground rules for jaunting, a form of teleportation the family will be using shortly to go to Mars. The key is that travelers must be under anesthesia for the short journey or terrible things happen to the mind of those being jaunted around the solar system. <sighs> Such a weird name for 
fucking teleportation. Yeah. I'm just going to take a jaunt. <laughs> uh, time stands still, and and one's brain implodes with too much time to think in an absence of external stimulation. Bad things happen. So, look for those. Uh, Ryan Murphy and Fox's Scream Queens has cast a whole mess of people, including Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord. Uh, she will join Leah Michelle, who is from Glee. Jamie, uh. <laughs> another Ryan Murphy production, which is why I bring it up. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Emma Roberts, Oliver Hudson, who is actually replacing Joe Mangiello. That's, what kind of replacement is that? <laughs> um, also, Abigail Breslin, which is probably the biggest name on the show. Uh, Ariana Grande and Nick Jonas are set to guest star. The first installment in the new anthology series revolves around a college campus, which is rocked by a series of murders. Production is scheduled to begin in the spring with the series premiere in fall of 2015. Mm, I'm sensing scream with musical numbers. Sounds about right. Yep. Wow. They should have just called it Scream Glee. <laughs> um, okay, the, those of you who have seen Paranormal Activity, you know the house in... Uh, what town was it supposed to? It was supposed to be in Modesto. Is that where the movie took place? I think so. Okay, well, the house is actually located in Rancho Pensaquitos in California. Um, it's up for sale. At least when... When I looked this story up, it was. It might not be anymore. Uh, it was going for $749,000. Uh, those of you who've seen the movie know it's a pretty nice fucking house, so it might be every worth worth every penny of that, especially in uh, Petsquitos. Um, so, yeah. Check out the Zillow listing if you <laughs> are interested, I guess. <laughs> uh, the Goosebumps movie release has been moved originally scheduled for april 2016 it is now set to come out october 16th 2015 so they moved it up uh the movie is about various monsters from the books who are unleashed upon the real world it'll be up to stein and two teenagers to put the monsters back into the books before it's too late you saw that picture of jack black surrounded by all the monsters right could be all right yeah uh rob kaczynski is cast in fox's frankenstein have we talked? We talked about this before, right? Yeah, we called it RoboCop. Right. Um, uh, Kaczynski is from True Blood and Pacific Rim. He's going to play uh, Pritchard. Is it, uh, I don't know his first name. I think that is his first name. It's not a first name. It's a last name. If it is his first name, it's dumb. Anyway, he's playing Pritchard, uh, morally corrupt retired cop who's given a second chance at life when he is brought back from the dead now younger and stronger Pritchard will have to choose between his old temptations and his new sense of purpose the character is further described as athletic strong and handsome the Frankenstein's monster who is the reanimated version of a much older Pritchard is a former marine and county sheriff who was recently murdered brought back from the dead Pritchard may have a new body but his mind is still that of a 75 year old badass curmudgeon this has been done before. The show was called Now and Again. I believe it was on CBS back in the late 90s. lasted like two seasons. It was basically John Goodman <laughs> fell into the subway. And uh, basically against his will, the, the government put his brain into this like genetically um, like designed body. Just like. Almost like a Captain America type body. <laughs> um, 
and put his brain into it and said, hey, you work for us now. <laughs> Didn't ask him if he wanted it, of course. <laughs> Just said, hey, we did. We saved your life. We gave you this new awesome body, so now you work for us. Anyway, so this is basically the exact same thing. It is not Frankenstein. No, not even a little. Again, that's the whole thing, just like using a name for marketing. Yeah. It's bullshit. Uh, other casting news. Um, Adam Scott and Tony's favorite, David Koechner, have been added to the cast of Krampus. So it appears that movie is going to be a lot funnier than I expected. Oh, I, I didn't ever think it was going to be... I mean, it's going to be tongue-in-cheek. It's not going to be really drab and serious. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, like Kickner, he was in, um, Cheap Thrills. Yeah, true. Uh, he's, he's been doing a little more, more serious work lately, I think, so. Adam Scott, though, is not doing No, that. but I, I could see the potential there. Yeah. Well, we'll see. He was in The Violent Ones. I don't know that one. Uh, Brittany Snow. That's not very good. Okay. Is that it? No. No, I mean, for you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) God. Sci-Fi Channel coming to the rescue again with Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Is this fucking asylum? I guarantee this is asylum. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's going to be starring Robert England. Oh, God. So, you know, it's got that star power. No. <laughs> it, why is it called Lake Placid versus Anaconda? Why isn't it called, like, Giant Fucking Crocodile versus <laughs> Anaconda? Because then it doesn't have that cachet of Lake Placid. <laughs> um, it's a, a thriller about corporate greed and science gone wrong. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> you know, you saw the title, and that's immediately where I went. Uh, it's going to premiere on Saturday, April 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern. So that's going to be, what, 6 p.m. Pacific? Yeah. Yep. You got to put it on your calendar so you can remember to watch it? Yeah, totally. I don't have a sci-fi channel. Oh, darn. Did I tell you we signed up for cable? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We've got like 40 channels and we're paying through out the ass for it. Comcast <laughs> is really fucking us. That's what they do. Like just really whole fist without any lube. <laughs> awesome. But if you complain, then they'll change the name on your bill to Professor Assface. Or something. Right. So, file this one under the I'll believe it when I see it category. Don Mancini says he is writing a script for Child's Play 7. All right. I say I'll believe this when I see it because he originally announced Child's Play 7 in December of 2013. Yeah. He seems like a type of person that kind of will like, blow smoke up your ass a little bit. And... Yeah, seems that way. Um, yeah, he, he announced this in response to someone on Twitter. Right. So it wasn't even, like, an announcement per se. Just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on it. Right. So we'll see. And that's going to wrap up horror business. Right. Um, so before we get into our reviews, uh, we did – we had an interview with um, uh, Peter Dukes, who was kind of like the – Owner and CEO and president or <laughs> head honcho, head honcho, grand poobah, right? Of um, Dream Seeker Productions, um, Dream Seekers, Dream Seekers, excuse me. Um, 
Uh, it was a really good conversation, and this is this is an old conversation um, because we did this interview back when it was scheduled for the first episode that we missed. So right. it's been a while. So I have to apologize, Peter, for the delay. <laughs> um, but here it is: uh, our interview with Peter Dukes. Uh, it was really fun. Um, good conversation about kind of like the film life and having the passion and drive to really make things happen for yourselves for yourself <laughs> um so uh open your ear holes and take it in everyone, Skeletoni here. And Taylor of Terror. And we are here with a very special guest, a uh, writer, producer, director, uh, and basically head honcho of Dream Seeker Productions. We are here with Peter Dukes. How you doing, Peter? Good, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's uh, nice to um, get your email, and uh, we're excited to have you on. So, Yeah, always reaching out. So that's uh, inherent in what I do. <laughs> so... Um, I guess you're probably a pretty busy guy uh, as of late. Um, I, mean, I think we'll probably get into some of that later. Um, but uh, why don't you go ahead and start off with uh, just telling us about uh, Dream Seekers and how that came about. Yeah, uh, Dream Seekers, um, I found it officially in 2005. Uh, I, I'd been making some films before that, but I never really had a place to uh, centralize them all. So I went ahead and made things official in 2005, and... Um, we kind of started putting our uh, the brand together and uh, building our base. And, um, you know, today we've done 17 films and, um, you know, 16 of which have been mine. And, and um, you know, just enjoying the ride and, and um, building ourselves up from, from, from the bottom up and, and having a good time. And, and the, our following has been growing, you know, steadily. And, and really it's just a place to kind of uh, focus our you know, creative energy, if you will, and, and um, you know, the more films we do, the better we, we get at it, and, and we enjoy it, and, and we hope to keep going for a long time. Cool. Um, so, you say we, who all is involved with this? I mean, is it relatively small? I, I'm sure it's probably a small uh, oh, yeah. company, yeah. but uh, it, how many people are involved with you? It's a revolving door. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean the, the constant is me. Um um, I used to be involved with uh, my little sister, my partner in crime. Uh, she was more involved several years ago, but she's super busy these days. She does um, special effects and compositing, and she's um, she did work on the new SpongeBob movie coming out. She does a lot oh, of work nice. on movies like that, so she's she's uh, too busy to be involved too much these days. And she's mostly into animation and, and things like that. Anyhow, the the one film that she did for for um, the company was was just that it was a short animation so all the live action stuff has been me and and again i am kind of the constant throughout the years but we have a revolving door of, of um talents and crew and, and and various producers that that come and go on a project by project basis but you know yeah we're, we're small and, and and we like it small i mean when it's small you know i i, I don't have to worry about kind of appeasing a uh you know a, a, a committee or any clients here so to speak so yeah, well, I imagine it will remain small for a long time, and if I ever venture into future productions, we'll, we'll kind of take that as it comes. Cool. Um, so, 
you know, you said if you venture into features, have you done any to date? Or I mean, most of your work seems to be shorts, but have you done any features? Yeah, it's, it's, I've done a tremendous amount of shorts, and, and I, I did that on purpose for a long time. Um, I, I kind of took a patient road, uh, wanted to make sure I'd kind of uh, uh, ironed out all the kinks and kind of honed my craft, and was ready when the first feature came. Because if you're lucky enough to get one chance it'll be just that <laughs> I and mean, that's your chance you really want to get it right so um i've been ready to jump into the feature world for a couple of years now but it's a it's a you know it's a tough world to crack into I, i've been attached to a couple of features uh, over the last couple of years and they've all kind of fallen through you know um, for one reason or another which is very common in the business but you know none of those have come into uh, fruition yet so I, i've kind of been on the abyss for a while now, waiting for that very last domino to fall into place. And once it does, uh, that'll be great. <laughs> you know, but just <laughs> waiting for that last piece is, is just what it is. That, that's that's the life we, we lead when, when you jump into this world. And so in the meantime, I I keep doing shorts. So I love them anyhow. I'm happy doing them, and, and it keeps me sharp. And, you know, if, if I if I breach the feature world, it'll, it'll be icing on the cake. So, did you always want to be a filmmaker? Like growing up, was that your your career ambition? Was that what you wanted to be when you got big? Or, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if I thought about it as a career until I got into probably high school or so, and I, I started realizing you need to start making some decisions here. Do you want to go to film school? Do you want to do that? You know, you know this or that. I had to start putting pieces in place. Prior to that, I'd, I'd been making shorts for a long time, and, and I and I really enjoyed crafting stories. It was making films, it was drawing stories, it was writing stories, it was just, you know, anything and everything I could do to, to craft these stories. So, um, you know, I just enjoyed that, you know, uh, for what it was uh, uh, when I was a kid. And then, you know, again, when it, when it came time to, you know, kind of grow up and put uh, logical pieces in place and, and worry about things like that, um, I made the decision. I, I ended up going to film school uh, at CU Boulder, which has a, 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 a small school, but it's a quality film school. And then after I graduated, I moved immediately out to L.A., and I've, I've been out here working ever since. Cool. So have you always been into horror, or...? Uh, I, you know, I love all genres. You know, I, I think uh, I do have a soft spot for horror and fantasy and things like that. They have a... There's a, a tremendous amount of flexibility, you know, creatively with those type of genres, and that meshes well with the way my brain works, I guess. <laughs> uh, so I've always gotten a kick out of it, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I've become known mostly for horror and fantasy, uh, and that's kind of the, uh, the wave I'm riding right now, but, um, you know, and I'd, I'd be happy doing many more. But, you know, I like all genres. As long as it's a really interesting and challenging story, there's there's um, very few genres I, I wouldn't be interested in doing. Cool. And so, like, how about how old were you when you started getting into horror, and what, what was it that got you into it? Um, you know, I don't remember exactly. I, I You know, it's, I, I, I've been asked that before. The, the earliest movie I can remember that horrified me wasn't actually a horror film. It was a it was a disaster flick. It was the Poseidon Adventure. Um, I watched it on VHS. Here, you know, dating myself, but I watched <laughs> it on VHS many many moons ago, um, and it had a, a just an, an incredibly gloomy and somber and scary atmosphere that they built up. It had tremendous atmosphere, 
and that instilled the importance of atmosphere in me at a very early age. But the movies scared me a lot, and I and and I, I think that kind of planted the seeds early. In terms of actual straight horror films, you know, I don't remember. I I, I remember enjoying Poltergeist when that came out when I was very young, and uh, probably other such films, but. Um, I don't remember if there ever was, you know, any one horror movie that that really kind of, you know, set me down this this path. Um, I think I always also enjoyed scary books and scary stories, and that all played a part into it also. But, you know, um, I just kind of ended up doing a lot of horror. It's a fun genre to play with, and it's very commercial. Um, so that's another reason I think I do a lot of it. It just kind of uh, keeps your options open, but at the end of the day, it's it's just it's entertaining and it allows for a lot of creative freedom, and you can kind of go anywhere with your scripts, and, and I enjoy doing that. Cool. I always like hearing different answers because it's you know so often we hear people say, "Oh, it's John Carpenter" or "It's the George Romero movie." So I always like hearing people say something different. So it's it's cool to hear that you oh, yeah. know Poseidon Adventure yeah. was the one thing that really scared you in the beginning. Yeah, I can totally it get. Was. It was. You know, and John Carpenter and all those guys are there, you know, Dario Argento. I mean, they, they've all, uh, I've enjoyed their, their films a lot, but I don't think I was really into their films as a kid. Not not that early. Um, you know, I, I, and if I had watched it, I wouldn't have appreciated it yet. I, 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 I do remember watching John Carpenter's The Thing when I was, you know, however old I was. And I thought it was really gross. <laughs> and I, I wasn't all that into it, but as I grew older... You know, uh, especially compared to to a lot of the horror that was to come after it, I, I started to appreciate it, uh, appreciate it a, a lot more for what it was, and uh, you know, and that goes for a lot of other horror films too. I've appreciated the more the the, the older I've gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I you know, I was, my dad kind of scarred me at a young age with horror, <laughs> um, but I think yeah. Taylor he was kind of a late bloomer in the horror. Oh, yeah, my, my mom wouldn't let me watch horror when I was really young, <laughs> so I didn't really get into it until I was probably in junior high. Yeah, and now you've got a horror podcast. Yeah, yeah now, now so I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's great. I mean, who doesn't love a good horror story, you know? Oh, sure. Like you said, it's like it's one of the most flexible genres, and it's so easy to uh, enjoy. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where yeah. you just kind of let yourself go and just be sucked yeah. in. And you can never answer yeah. when someone asks, you, what's, your, what's your favorite horror movie? Because you're always going to be, well, do you mean slasher? Do you mean zombie? Do you mean... <laughs> well, absolutely. There, it's apples and oranges. There's all... Uh, if, you, if, if you were to ask me my favorite horror film, I wouldn't have one. I'd have, okay, well, here's my best horror film, you know, that's like this type of horror, and here's another one that's this type of horror. Exactly. And I also love horror literature, and, you know, and so on and so forth. I mean, it's it's a very rich genre with a with a with a, a long history, and you know, I, there is no way I could ever pin it down to any one favorite film or, or, or book. Do you have a favorite subgenre? No, not really. I, I've I when I do my horror films, I like to kind of diversify it and play with different things. So I, I've done all sorts of you know different subgenres. I, I've played with uh, zombies and ghosts and werewolves and goblins and psychos and you know all sorts of different things. And I've gone I've gone very serial and I've gone very lighthearted. I've even thrown in some comedy. It's like uh, it, it, it's just one of those genres in, that you can kind of mix with all other sorts of genres and subgenres and, and and still be able to pull it off. And, and can't necessarily do that with every genre. So I think that's that's just a, yet another thing that I, that I really enjoy about it. Yeah, I definitely noticed that about your work is that it's very um, 
uh, I guess it it doesn't center on one specific subgenre or even like you said, not even horror yeah. itself. So uh, I thought that was uh, very notable and very awesome of of your work that it was so flexible and and doesn't seem to follow the same path as a lot of directors, especially no, tend to do. You don't want to be predictable, you know, but I certainly have types of horror that I prefer. I think anyone watching my horror would would have to say it's all pretty tame. I don't I haven't really done anything to date that's uber gory or shock value, um, you know, or, or, or anything that's driven too much by that kind of stuff. My horror tends to be a lot more subtle, little patient, um, quiet, you know, again, if you will, um, you know, just kind of uh, old-fashioned, if anything else, uh, you know, and, and that that's kind of my cup of tea, and I've even had to turn down a couple of scripts in the past that they were at least potentially interested in me directing because, you know, it would be just... Um, it, it's kind of going out of favor now, but at the time it would have been more along the lines of, like, a hostel. And I was just, that's just not my cup of tea. That's just not the kind of horror I'm, that, that really does it for me. So I, I would have to, you know, pass and kind of say no thank you. But, you know, um, and I can certainly re- respect, you know, those types of horror. Obviously it has a, a big audience. But, you know, you can certainly watch my horror as, as diversified as it might be. And it's all pretty old-fashioned, you know, under that umbrella. But, um, you know, that, that's kind of what I enjoy and, and um, something I, I, I've been trying to, put out there for people to enjoy to remind them that there that there is kind of a different kind of horror out there that can kind of be content driven and, and you know not necessarily someone getting their fingers cut off you know there's there's all, all sorts of other types of horror out there that, that that people can enjoy and so i kind of like to stress that and and hopefully it's uh, kind of the message gets out there yeah I, I like that you said your your style is more old-fashioned because i definitely uh picked up on that i couldn't really identify it at the time but now that you mentioned it it uh, definitely was there i mean your your horror in particular it saves a lot of the shocks till the end which was very old-fashioned i think of like things like william castle and vincent price and maybe a little bit of hitchcock so uh i can definitely appreciate that yeah that and, and certainly twilight zone um was a big influence on me, but yeah. you know the kind of horror where the horror itself was in the implications and yeah. the things that might be right under the surface that are really really scary, but they're not necessarily hitting the audience over the head with it. You kind of have to think about it or kind of let it wash over you, and then it hits you a day later, kind of thing. So I think that stuff's pretty cool, and I and, and I, I I kind of enjoy taking that approach. It's very natural to me and. Say that you're anti blood and guts, like if it fit within the context no, of a story, no, would you? Not at all. Like, I mean, again, like one of one of I'm a big fan of Dario Argento, and his films were extremely violent. And I was a big fan of uh, John Carpenter. Again, I mentioned the thing. That's an extremely gory. True. Film. There you go. Um, you know, I I, I think if, if the gore is if it's in the right context, uh, it's fantastic. Um, what I guess I, you know, again, I'm not here to knock it in any way, but what, what I wouldn't have considered any of those filmmakers um, the type of guys who direct torture porn. You know, torture porn is not really my style. That's not something that I really enjoy. Um, but, you know, Blood and Guts, 
you know, when you're talking about horror, there's going to be blood and guts. And, and if it's used, uh, you know, proportionally to, to, to the story that's being told, I, I think that's fine. And, and I, I can enjoy it as much as the next guy. Yeah, and um, I, I, I can appreciate that. I mean, I'm definitely the more blood and guts guy of, of the two of us. But, uh, you know, I can appreciate some psychological things uh, when they're done right. And, you know, you said not not being, like, overt in your work and you know deliberate it's it's a lot of uh hinting and i really appreciated that you know as a viewer that you're not like oh, yeah. spoon feeding us yeah. everything <laughs> yeah but you know what it, it's like you said uh, and some scripts i've written that i haven't done yet definitely have a little more gore sometimes it is fun just to turn on a horror movie and you know there's monsters tearing people apart i mean <laughs> sure. it, it can be it can be scary and fun and entertaining. I, I, I have no I have no problem with that stuff. I, I just haven't taken on that type of material yet. Cool. Uh, all right, so let's let's uh, delve into your future a little bit. Uh, I know you mentioned to us before, um, you know, before the interview, of course, <laughs> that your uh, your short Beast, which uh, starred Bill Overs Jr., um, that you that was recently optioned to be a uh, feature length or based on your short, right? Yeah, I've done that with a couple of my shorts. I've either thought about or gone ahead and, and executed a, like a, an expansion that developed it into a, a, a feature screenplay. Um, I did that with a, another film, which is one of the films that aren't in the horror genre. It was called Unreachable, and that got optioned before. And I've gotten very close a couple of times to actually making it to um, you know, production, but no such luck yet. Um, but the Beast, yeah, I did. I, I expanded the Beast, got it optioned. It's under development right now. Um, you know, keeping the fingers crossed as always. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's doing well so far, but you know, you can never really tell. At the end of the day, either you're going to get the financing or you're not. Um, but it's 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 um, loosely based on the original uh, short film I did, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's very exciting. It's just you know, it's like the domino I mentioned. If I can just get one of these projects to go through, it opens up a lot of doors for for filmmakers. You know, uh, I've lost out on more than one feature because I just don't have any theatrically distributed, um, you know, movies under my belt. Uh, that plays a big part in. in you know the kind of doors you can get into, and, and the kind of jobs you can be considered for. So, sure. um, the Beast is is one of a few different features I'm I'm kind of involved with right now, and I'm just um, you know high hopes for it, and you know we'll just have to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, something I noticed watching the Beast is you you are able to tell a lot of story in a short amount of time. Like that's about twelve minutes long, I think. And there's yeah. there's well, character well. development in there that it's just mashed in there. Do you think it, you would have a hard time extending that out to an hour and a half, two hours? Um, you know, yes and no. Um, with the Beast in particular, it was a little bit tricky um, because the Beast was just designed to be a short story. Um, that's kind of how it all worked. Uh, uh, you know, some, some films you do that are short... It's, it's really not all that hard to, to expand it to 90 minutes or two hours. There's plenty of material there. Um, but the Beast, you know, it had, again, I, the whole plan was always to make it very short. And with certain character traits and with certain twists and, and other such variables of that film, it was a little bit trickier to expand that out. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a problem, but I did have to change it a bit. And, um, 
you know, I had to take other things into consideration like um, budget and, you know, economical things like that. So the feature version takes place in modern times as opposed to being a period piece like the original was. And uh, it takes place in America and in the, in the Northwest and, uh, and other subsequent <laughs> changes. But, yeah, you know, um, but it, I mean, the heart of the story is still very, very much in place. And it's still, um, you know, got the triangle going on. It's really kind of revolving around um, a father, his son, and then uh, the uncle, mm-hmm. and kind of the, the dynamics between them. So uh, almost all the important parts are, are still there. But, you know, I, I had to kind of tweak some other things to kind of make it work in the same way. So, you know, and sometimes you got to do that. But so, you know, that's um, the project's out to various private equity firms and other um kind of uh, financing sources and you just never know i mean certainly i'll be a wild card in whether or not we get financing because it's being budgeted at six million dollars right now that's awfully tough for for financiers you know when we get to that point to sign off on me to direct a six million dollar movie you know right now it's hard for me to for me to even get a million dollar movie you know you got to get some features under your belt first so you know, one battle at a time. We haven't had any problems with it so far. We haven't been laughed out of any rooms so far. Progress has been pretty good, but we'll we'll just kind of have to see what happens and and um, you know kind of kind of hope for the best. Now, has your work so far has that been self financed, or do you do you bring on investors? Uh, it used to be. Uh, I, I funded all my films for a long time, including The Beast, and, and I had to become an expert at, at working with nothing and, and just telling a story with, with what I had. I shot The Beast in one night for 700 bucks, which was wow, which was insane, and I wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> it was a difficult shoot. Uh, but uh, after The Beast, after The Beast, you know, luckily no one can really feel the stress too much when watching the film, uh, if at all. But it was a very difficult shoot, and I said, you know what, I'm just not going to do that again. If I have to save up more money to get another day to shoot, then I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I started um, going out and seeking out additional funding um, sources. You know, I'd bring in more producers, uh, and that's worked out um, very well, actually. So my last uh, two pictures and my, and my next uh, film coming up have been almost all, if not entirely, financed by other people, which has been... Uh, you know, nice. <laughs> you know, yeah. it gives me uh, a little bit more to work with. So that's that's been very nice. Uh, and in the future, going forward, I, I certainly aim to kind of take more advantage of that and, and hopefully see some bigger budgets and, and kind of go from there. Cool. Now, you also mentioned uh, that you have a, uh, a film kind of based on the Yeti. Uh, obviously, the, the Himalayan yeah. Sasquatch, essentially. <laughs> um, yeah, that one would be really cool. Yeah. That one's under development at a at a another production company, um, and it's called Echoes in the Wind, and it's uh, uh, yeah involves the, the Yeti, and um, these guys do a lot of work um, overseas, and that's where where a lot of their funding sources are, and they want to shoot it up in the foothills of the Himalayas themselves, which would be awesome. Wow, <laughs> I would have no for that, but that's where um, you know there there's. Um, certain uh, towns and regions that take place in the script and they want to actually go and shoot in these regions which are tucked right up into the Himalayas and they want to get up into the Himalayas themselves to shoot some of the other stuff but um, yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a cool script and they've been very open-minded with me coming in and doing some rewrites and kind of polishing it up a bit 
Um, so it's, it's, it's something that I'd be very excited to do, and, and that's not always the case. Since I have very little, if any, leverage in the feature world, I've been sent scripts before mm-hmm. that are really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough one because I have no leverage to... I don't get the cream of the crop. You get what scripts that, that, that you get, and you've got to pick and choose, okay, you know... It, I have to get a feature under my belt. Does this one have to be it? It may have to be, and then you kind of have to sign yourself onto it. And you know, that's just kind of an internal battle you have to wage. You know, your job would be to make the script as best as you can, and just just go from there. And and, and you know, the only risk is if it's a really bad movie, they're going to blame you. Right. <laughs> they're not going to blame the cast. They're not going to blame the writer. They're going to blame you. So that's just that's just part of the journey you go on when you're when you're trying to get up there and build up your your currency, you know, so to speak, build up your leverage and, and, and kind of get access to better scripts. But luckily, Echoes in the Wind, it, it was a, there was a, the core of the story was already strong. I just went in there and, and kind of fleshed out the characters a bit, and, and I'd be uh, very happy to do it. So we'll, we'll see how their financing goes. They're well underway, uh, you know, doing a lot of meetings and meeting financiers, and, and we'll kind of see how that goes. But, you know, I'll take any of them. I just need that last domino to, to fall into place, and then who knows what, what opportunities may arise. But that's a cool one, too, and, and I hope to see it come to fruition. Cool. Okay, so um, a couple of years ago, you did a short called Little Reaper, um, which was actually your first bit of work that I had ever been uh, uh, exposed to. Um, I know we... I think we both heard you for the first time on uh, the Electric Chair podcast with, uh, with Corey Graham. Um, yeah. And that was the first time we were kind of introduced to your work. Um, that's, honestly, I, I got to say that's my favorite um, bit of work that you've done. Like, that, that was yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I, I saw on Dream Seekers Facebook, and I think maybe in, even Twitter or, or your website or one of the two, um, that you were planning on making a feature uh, based on that. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you're still exploring? Yeah, I mean, I think that one had a lot more energy than some of the films around it because I was in totally uncharted territory. I'd never played around with any sort of comedy before, and it was such a wild script. It was one of those scripts where I said, "Just let your imagination go wherever it wants to go. I don't care how crazy you get." Sure. And the end result is, is we just kind of had this wild story, and it was all high energy and. and you know, not so much gloomy or esoteric like some of my other work. It was just fun. That was the whole point of it is just to make something entertaining and fun. And and so, um, you know, I think it just uh, people responded to that, and uh, I think it has potential for a feature. I always did, and um, so I, I started to flesh it out uh, and you know come up with the outline. And I and I got about halfway through the script when you know uh, I, I think you'd mentioned before i think you guys knew but the lead actress who you know the film would not have been the same without her she really was really terrific mm-hmm. and she was all of 15 when we shot it um she you know she unfortunately passed away and that just kind of took me out of you know took me out of the mood i wasn't in the mood to, to finish it at that point i just uh, wasn't in the right frame of mind so i kind of put it on the back burner that's mm-hmm. where it remains today. I, I will pick it up again. You know, I, I do think there's a really entertaining film, uh, feature film there. So it's just a matter of, you know, getting to a place where, where I can enjoy it again. And, and I'm close. Getting to a place where I can enjoy it again and, and, and you know, uh, you know, 
do it justice and uh, you know kind of see where I can take it. I would have uh, you know pushed for putting her back in the lead. Sure. You know, I thought she. I thought even though she was very young, I thought she was that capable. You know, she was just a natural. So, you know, I it's kind of weird writing it with with you know not having her in mind for the role. But mm-hmm. you know, I've done that before, and, and I can do it again. And you know, we'll see. You know, I'd like to think that one day you know people get to enjoy that, but. Only time will tell. Yeah, and you know, you're uh, speaking of your your lead, uh, Athena Baumeister. Um, you know, I honestly I didn't know that she had passed until I was kind of doing my my homework on on your career, getting ready for this interview. And um, man, what what a shock just to find out about that. It was. And, um, yeah, and, it was. It yeah. was a shock. Yeah, we, we definitely. Out. Yeah, exactly. And you know, here and like I, you know, you guys did a, a follow up interview. On electric chair with it was you, um, her and the the man that played uh, the Grim Reaper. Uh, mm-hmm. His name escapes right. me, um, but uh, yeah, here here and her like God, it's it's heartbreaking to even think about her talking about all of her ambitions. It's just like oh man, what a shame. Well, she was on her way. She was in two features already, and I think people were just starting to get her on radar mm-hmm. you know and she really was you don't see many she's one of those diamonds in the rough that i, that I kind of like to say i found i didn't find her of course but mm-hmm. in terms of finding them for my project she's one of the very few that really kind of knocked my socks off you know and, yeah. and there aren't many of those around she just really was a natural and you know it's funny because she carries herself and had the intelligence and the experience to really um you know, get the job done to be sure, but really kind of impressed everyone when she was on set. And it's funny listening to that interview. It's been a long time since I've heard it, um, but you listen to the interview and she reminds you, you just, you're reminded now that she doesn't have her lines down and she's not playing a performance, how much of a, uh, just a kid she was. Yeah. She sounds like a kid again during that interview. And you Definitely. Get that. I don't know if she turned 16 yet or, or not, but she was just a kid. Mm-hmm. And hearing that interview, you get reminded of that because you could watch Little Reaper, and she could pull off, at least you know, in terms of her maturity, she could have pulled off you know twenty. I mean, or even or even older. Yeah, and so, you know, I, yeah, she uh, she captured so well. Obviously, those teenage mannerisms. I mean, she wasn't playing outside of her age bracket or anything. But um, you know, so many teenage actors they have such a tendency to ham things up and just really make themselves kind of unbelievable, even though they're essentially playing themselves. <laughs> but uh, she yeah, had a real yeah, way about her to really well, deliver. Well, that's how a lot of the auditions went. You had a lot of people, and they're all great kids, and they're, mm-hmm. they're coming out there, and they're pretty- You know, you could feel the effort, you know, and when she came in, it's pretty. It's like you had said. She pretty much was the part. I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like she didn't have to worry about the. I mean, she made the acting look effortless. Right. And so that's that's obviously that was one of the one of the first things that stood out. And you know, at the end of the day, I I I, I can only be happy that at least I got to work with her once, and and you know, and and I got to give her a role that she could really bite into, and that people can remember her for among the other you know roles she's done. You know, and, uh, you know, back to the original point, you know, I, I think it's an entertaining concept that could be more, you know, and, and I'd really like to think if I ever do finish the script, um, you know, there, there'll be a market for it, and I think there will be. So we'll see. It, it's there. It's sitting not 
20 yards from me right now, halfway done. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's sitting there. I think, uh, you know, it's just waiting for uh, its heartbeat to come back again, and, and then we'll move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm anxious to see that happen. And, uh, I mean, as far as Athena, you know, we got to extend our condolences. I know it's a little behind, but it's yeah. extend our condolences to you and her family and all her loved ones, and yeah, real sorry you. to hear about that. So you also have a project called Sweet Madness that's based on Harley Quinn. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Sweet Madness is, you know, I, I like being original. You know, I like 100% original content. For a long time, I kind of even put my own music together. You know, I just like, I get a lot of satisfaction out of, of just having something that, that that's something I built, you know, completely from the inside out. Um so I'm breaking one of my own rule of thumbs with this one, uh, which was something I've kind of debated about for a couple of years, and I've held off, you know, because Harley Quinn obviously is not my character. I don't own the rights to it. Right. Um, you know, but I love the character. I think it's a fabulous character. It's complex. It's entertaining. Um, this Harley has a really, uh, for anyone, they may not even realize just how complex her relationship is with the Joker. It's a really, really interesting character, and she's never been shown any love in the Batman live-action canon. Mm-hmm. So I've always been like, boy, I'd really love to take a shot at her. You know, I'd, I, even though it's a fan. And once I heard that, I went, well, the whole world's about to get introduced to her finally, uh, at least for those who they quit of the 90s and things like that. So I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I do it now or I don't do it at all. So I said, okay, screw it. This one time, I'm, I'm going to make the exception and I'm going to do a fan film. So, you know, so was born, you know, um, Sweet Madness. I sat down. I already knew what kind of character I wanted her to be. I just hadn't built a narrative around it yet. You know, and I think, and I worked very quickly, so I think I had it about, I think I had the idea after about three days, and I wrote it in a night, you know, and, and polished it after that. But it was all a very quick process. And, um, you know, people really, really, you know, very quick, you know, very quick, uh, much faster than the process was for the past films that I've, you know, raised financing for. So, you know, I think, um, you know, I, uh, it, it's a rip. It's got some darkness to it, but it's definitely not, um, and I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm happy about this. It's definitely not Christopher Nolan inspired. It's not ground too much into reality. It's definitely, it, it's fun. It's quirky. It's, it's just kind of its own thing, but I took my inspiration more you know, I keep mentioning it, but the, the old uh, animated series from the 90s is something I enjoyed very much. So this isn't, you know, uh, an exact duplication of that, but that, I was inspired more by that than I was by the more recent films. And if you look online, there are other Harley Quinn fan films, and, and most of them are very gritty, very dark. I mean, they're basically horror films. They really are. Um, this doesn't go that dark. There's dark stuff in there, and there's dark implications again, but... Um, for the most part, it's it's fairly lighthearted and it's fun and it allows her to be what she was originally designed to be. You know, so you know I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, I, I anticipate it won't get as much coverage as some of my last films because it's hard to get coverage on short films from, especially the bigger media outlets. But even more so because it's a fan film, I think it'll take a hit there. But you know, that's fine. I, I'm prepared for that. I really just want to make it just for love and, you know, just to enjoy the character and put it out there and just, you know, whoever enjoys it can, can enjoy it as well. So, 
I've got that going on, and I've got even another feature project potentially in the works that's been floating around for about a month and a half now. And, and um, you know, in a perfect world, all, all, all four of these projects will, will come to fruition, but we'll, we'll just have to see. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you mentioned in your email to us that you were currently working on a an adaptation of a young adult horror series, like a book series. Uh, I know you yeah. can't really talk much about that. Is there, I mean, is there anything you you can say about? Are it? Are you directing Goosebumps? That's what we really want to. Know. <laughs> it would be uh, <laughs> not as well known as Goosebumps. That I can tell you. Um, it's a uh, it, it it is a best selling um, young adult series. Um, what can I really say about it? It's it's involving a girl who can see ghosts. Um, and for young adult, when I first read it, you know, young adult, I'm thinking Twilight. I'm thinking, you know, I don't know that market. Dark, which I thought was cool. I don't mind taking on that type of material. But at any rate, it's about a, um, a girl who's not all that different from the, the you know, the Little Reaper. Uh, it's a little darker and a little more ground in reality, obviously, than Little Reaper. But it's basically a, a teenage girl who's got a lot of angst, and she's 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 carrying around a lot of baggage emotionally. And um, she's just like a lot of teenagers; she's figuring out who she is. And through all of this, she she sees a lot of ghosts, and she sees some pretty scary things, and she gets involved in various adventures. There's several books. Um, what I've been um, at least potentially tasked with is just adapting the first book into a screenplay to direct that. What's held off that from becoming official is, you know, they want to go big with this. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, a studio tentpole film, no, not that big. Mm -hmm. But big enough to where they might need a bigger writer and a bigger director than me. So that's what's held it off from being official yet until they've had some meetings with these financiers and they can kind of figure out where their head's at and how open-minded they would be. But they've approached me about it and had me read the book, which I enjoyed. And, you know, that that's the world I'm in right now is, is you know, I, I, I think I know what I'm capable of, you know, as a filmmaker, you'll be learning and honing your craft until the day you die. But, you know, from a more general standpoint, I, I, I'm as ready as I can be. And, you know, I'm a good writer and, and I think I can bring a lot to the project but I don't have theatrical credits under my belt, so we'll just have to see how that goes. If it does go through, it'll be a fun project. You know, it's 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 something. Um, well, you guys are both horror fans. I think you'd enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could give you the name of it, but I can't, not yet. But mm -hmm. um, you know, and definitely keep an eye out on me and on my pages. And if I do get officially signed, you can believe me, I'll be letting everyone know about it. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you a lot for coming on with us peter it's uh, been real fun yeah thank you for having me on and i appreciate you uh setting it up uh, you know as i said in the beginning like when you're in my you know in the indie filmmaking world you are often your own pr machine right. so you know i i enjoy reaching out and, and and um finding um great sites and media outlets and podcasts like the like the one you guys do and you know it's a joy for me to come on and be able to talk about what i've done and i appreciate your time yeah, I mean, uh, anytime, uh, you know, if you have anything else uh, develop, uh, don't hesitate to uh, give us a ring and we'll set up another one. <laughs> All right, would gladly come back on. Perfect. All right, well, uh, I mean, we're both, I uh, think, uh, 
right off the bat pretty pretty big fans of your work and we really hope you have a lot of work or have a lot of uh success in the future and uh congratulate you on the success you've had thus far so yeah best of luck in the future thank you very much uh you want to go ahead and plug your your website and social media stuff where people can find you um yeah it's uh my company is called dream seekers productions uh that's plural so dream seekers productions and we're kind of all over the place now you can google us um find um past articles or, or the links to all our websites are our main website is dreamseekersprods.com, and then you can just um, plug in Dream Seekers Productions, and you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, um, on YouTube. You know, we're, we're, we're definitely out there if you want to find us. So, um, you know, I encourage you to do so. And all our films to date are pretty short, so if you have a few minutes and you want to check us out, you definitely should. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Peter. Um, hope to talk to you again real soon. All right, guys. Thank you very much. And thanks. I got that great pride, I got that great pride, I got that great pride, it's right off the highway, wobbledy-wobbledy drop into my grave plot, you afraid of death, well I'm afraid not, cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway, I did it my way, a very small percent of the like said, good conversation, yeah, one of our better interviews, actually all of our interviews are great, I don't know why I say that, <laughs> this one was, was fun though, because uh, to really be kind of like on the level of somebody and like have him really talk about his, his passion or his passion and kind of get a little more personal than we typically do. That was, it was nice. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, in the interest of saving time, (laughs) let's, uh, just go ahead and jump right into our movie reviews. All right, so Taylor, why don't you go ahead and give us, get us started? All right. Well, the first movie we're going to review is from 2015. It is called The Lazarus Effect. Same dream. Good morning, Dr. McConnell. Good morning, James. This whole process started with the Lazarus Serum. The goal here is simple. To bring someone back from the dead. That one. In three, two, one. No effect. Maybe if we up the dosage the next time, if we up. Joker. Oh my God. Oh my God. You are playing God with a bunch of dead animals. If we're going to be asking big questions, we have to be ready for the answers. That's too much neural activity. What the hell is going on here? We're going to duplicate the experiment. Three, two, one. Zoe, she's been electrocuted. Clear? I'm not going to lose her. You're talking about bringing someone back from the dead. No, no. Okay? I think something's wrong. You 
just been through a traumatic experience. You need to let your body heal. What? It's not Zoe in there. I went somewhere. That was a dream. No, it was hell. So The Lazarus Effect, uh, as I said, is from 2015. It's actually a movie we reported on when it was first picked up by Lionsgate. Um, it's about a group of... Are, are they all medical students? or? I think they're actually doctors. Okay. The IMDb or, description has them listed as med students, but I didn't think that sounded right. Or they're researchers, I guess. <clears throat> right. Whatever um, that qualifies them as in... They're working on an experiment that was originally meant to help coma patients, which I was it supposed to help them like wake up? Is that was that the? Uh, it was the way I understood it is this the serum, <laughs> just just, just gener- generic term serum, right? No explanation of what it actually is. Um, basically, it was designed to um, give surgeons or you know EMTs or whoever just that extra bit of time to save somebody's life like somebody's like crashing on the table this essentially was supposed to like revive them I believe but they did they said it was originally for coma patients right and I I don't I don't think that was actually explained like how it was supposed to be for coma patients oh okay um yeah it progressed into like Tony said this serum that was meant to keep people alive longer and then that kind of evolved into bringing back the dead and so they try all these different experiments uh they start out with a pig and then they move on to a dog and they they end up bringing this dog back and uh but he's he's not the same right he uh his brain is functioning at a much higher level than it should. Right. The dog had cataracts. His cataracts are cured. And his, his, his brain is basically just firing on all cylinders. Right. Um, at one point, uh, Donald Glover's character, Nico, he explains that, like, you know, there's that common myth that humans use 10% of their brain. And he basically clarified it says you know humans use 100 percent of their brain but they only use 10 percent at a time right and that the brain was being used on overload like fire like like you said firing on all cylinders yeah it was basically using 100 percent of the brain yeah um so at a point during the experiment uh zoe played by olivia wilde ends up being electrocuted and she dies this is not a spoiler. This was in the trailer. Yeah. Um. So they they put they use the serum on her. Never had any human testing before, but desperate times. She ends up coming back. Has the same same thing as the dog. Her brain is firing on all cylinders. It's forming new path pathological synapses. Yeah. Synapses. Um, whatever. Just constantly and. 
no one's really sure what kind of effect it's going to have. But she, just like the dog, she becomes hyper aggressive and she can read people's minds and move things with her mind. Yeah, and they establish that pretty early on because she starts to get agitated. Uh, I forget exactly what prompted it, but uh, she, like, moves a pen sitting on the table that's, like, ten feet away. Right. So. Um, yeah, and then she she basically just decides she's going to wreck some shit. Yeah. And uh, just, that's when shit goes downhill, and I can't give away too much more without, you know, I don't want to give away... It's a brand new movie, so that we're not going to have any spoilers here. Right. Well, it's like, at a, at a point, you know, she becomes pretty convinced that while she was dead, that she went to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of wondering, <clears throat> like, well, why did this seemingly nice person who... Doesn't seem like they'd harm a hair on anybody's head. Why would they go to hell? Right. Um, you know, presuming there is such a place. And, you know, you kinda you kinda suspect throughout the movie that she's holding some some kind of dark secret. And you know, that that actually is revealed later on in the movie. I won't say right. what, but Yeah, she basically describes hell as the worst <laughs> moment of your life relived over and over for mm-hmm. eternity. And you know she was. They say she was she was dead for an hour or less, but she says she was in hell for years. Yeah. So, that's kind of a terrifying thought. Well, it's like you think of it like a like being in a dream. You know, dreams. It's time passes faster in dreams. Uh, kind of like a like Inception. Right. I was just thinking exactly that. Yeah. Um. So, kind of along those lines I would guess they talk about like 10 seconds in the real world is an hour in a dream or whatever something along those lines yeah um so yeah my my biggest takeaway from this movie is that you've got like Donald Glover is a stand up comedian guy who did a lot of comedy on community mm-hmm. um Mark Duplass who is on the league another comedy uh, Evan Peters does some comedy on American Horror Story. Nothing funny about this movie. No. No jokes. Well, that's not entirely true. Like, Evan Peters... Evan Peters is kind of like the comic relief. Yeah, dude. but it's not that... It's not super exaggerated. It's not, like, super prevalent. He's kind of like... He's kind of like the brilliant stoner, sort of. Yeah. Uh, he just kind of plays that role, and um, I mean, he gets harped on by Zoe or you know Olivia Wilde's character uh, for smoking his e-cigarette in the lab. And I mean, I don't, I don't know why she'd be so upset by that. It's not actual smoke, but um, and you know, he acts like a stoner, but he's. He's never actually smoking any pot. Right. Never references it, so. He's just kind of a burnout, I guess. But yeah. But super intelligent. Yeah, and like he, you know, at the beginning of the movie, they're having trouble making the serum work, which is, <clears throat> the serum is codenamed Lazarus. Hence, Hence the, the name. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's just, it's this thick, white substance. Um, it's chism. 
Yeah, it's just. But no, it's like pure white. It's not like like a pearly not white. Not like jism white. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, think Crayola makes that. <laughs> <laughs> See, our new color. A creamy white with a pearlescent essence to it. Um, uh, so, yeah, no, it's like it's like a pure white. It almost looks like... It's, it's even more white than I'd say milk. Yeah, it's also thinner than milk. Is it? It looked like it might be thicker. Yeah, I got the impression it was thinner. Whatever. Anyway, so... This, so it's the consistency of milk. Sure. Let's, let's, let's just let's compromise. <laughs> let's say it's milk. Um... Yeah, it's just, it's just they call it. They keep calling it a serum, and it's they don't actually really explain a whole lot of science behind it. I mean, obviously, it's all going to be false science, or you know, sh- you could. Well, towards, go, towards the beginning, they do do a lot of like I said, doo doo. Yeah, they, they do a lot of like, Boop. you know, oh, if we do this compound and blah 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 blah, and a bunch of sciency talk. Yeah, it's all Greek to me, but. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. It could be real stuff. Right. Well, I mean, you know, that's fine. And, yeah, you're right. They did do that to to an extent. Um, but I don't know. It seemed like the this whole serum thing. They kept calling it the serum. They never really explained what the serum is. Yeah. Or how, yeah. how they, what came about. But. but but the point of this tangent is that Evan Peters' uh, character. Clay. Clay, thank you. Um, he uh, He was actually the one that. It, it, it occurred to him what they were doing wrong. Because... Had something to do with potassium. That's all I remember. <laughs> something, because um, I know they had tried to make it work on, like you said, the pig at the very beginning, mm-hmm. and that's actually presented in kind of like a trial footage, yeah, style. Um, and he, yeah, he he kind of, you know, you can almost see like a light bulb turn on above his head, and he's just like, "Oh, well, if we do this and this and this," and there's it's like that could actually work. Um, so yeah, he's you beautiful genius. <laughs> so yeah, he might be kind of like the burnout, the, the screw off, but he is act seemingly quite brilliant. So yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, like he's the closest thing to a comedy relief, but he's not like just this slapstick guy who is only there for comic relief. Yeah, it, it comes to a certain point where shit starts to go down and he's he's not fucking around anymore. Right. So um Yeah. I I thought the first half moved fairly slowly. Yeah. Um and the, the second half reminded me a lot of Carrie. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, and you know, this isn't a super long movie. This is, let's see, I want to say it's eighty-three it's un- minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say it's under an hour and a half. Yeah, um, of course, <laughs> my wife and I went to see it. At fucking- my wife, <laughs> He's right? my wife, right? Yeah, Borat. Yeah, <laughs> like that guy <laughs> from that one movie. Yeah, um, Borat quotes are, are cool, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went to see it made the mistake of going to see this at 10.20 on a weeknight when we both have to get up for work at 6 in the morning and so that was a mistake anyway I saw it at 7.50 on a weeknight and I was one of three people in the theater 
We were the only people in the theater. Oh, lucky. <laughs> I was almost the only person in the theater. And this couple walked in, like, right as the movie was starting. Right as the previews ended, they walked in. <laughs> he texted me, he said, she better not start giving him a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, you're right. That's probably going to happen. I just look over and her head's gone. I'm like, oh, no! <laughs> um, anyway, so... I forgot what my point was. Uh, oh, we're, right. We're tired? It, oh. Well, I was tired, but um, they, the, the, like you said, the beginning of the movie was very slow, and it got to a certain point where it's like I'm looking at my watch and realizing, oh, shit, this only got like half an hour left, and nothing's happened. Yeah. So I'm like, well, okay, are they going to actually pack all the cool shit into, like, the last half hour of the movie? Because it wouldn't be the first one to do that. Yeah, pretty much they do, yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's like you said, it's like Carrie. I mean, a bunch of shit starts to, like, a bunch of psychic powers and mm-hmm. shit flying around. and um, You know, I went into this thinking this was going to be a lot more of a supernatural movie. Yeah, I think I did, too. I didn't know a lot about it, though. Because, like, the description on IMDb and stuff is paper thin. Uh-huh. Like it, it says, a group of medical students discover a way to bring dead patients back to life. Sounds like Flatliners. It yeah. Could, it could be Flatliners from that description. Or, like, almost any zombie movie. Sure. The Dead Hate the Living comes to mind. Yeah. I haven't seen that forever. It's terrible. It is bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Like, even the cover is bad. <laughs> the cover is supposed to look like a guy with an empty eye socket, but you can clearly see his eyelid like <laughs> through the paint. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. No. Um, yeah, um, because I thought it was going to have a lot more of a supernatural element. There were certain parts that seemed supernatural by nature, but because the rest of the movie didn't really fit that scheme, it seemed out of place. Because there's one point where you actually two points in the movie where another character is pulled into this place that Olivia Wilde considered hell. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. I didn't really get that. Yeah, I mean, how is this related to the rest of the movie? Because they've already established that essentially essentially what they they discovered was happening was like the serum was supposed to have dissipated in the brain mm-hmm. after X number of minutes or hours. Um, but they found that it was not dissipating, and it was actually, uh, I think, uh, Clay actually referred to it as evolving. Like, right. Like, he said there's there's a reason evolution takes million of, millions of years. Mm-hmm. He's like, right now her brain is evolving in minutes, mm-hmm. and it's doing stuff that the human brain was never meant to do. Right. Um, and so that kind of explanation and, you know, the the situation surrounding it basically eliminates like the supernatural aspect of it, but it brings it more into a scientific, scientific, um, and, uh, paranormal, I guess. Sure. Um, but then when you are pulled into this place that for all intents and purposes is hell, it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the movie. 
Yeah, and there's no real explanation of how that happens either. Right. Or why. Yeah. Other than to advance the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was probably my biggest complaint. Um, my second biggest complaint would be way too goddamn many jump scares. There, Yeah, there were a lot of those. A lot. I wanted to start counting after a while, but I was like, I don't know how many I've already seen. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, you know, I had that same thought at a certain point. It's like, God damn it. It's like, it, it, it came to a point where I started anticipating them. And then they weren't even, even the jump scares weren't effective anymore. Well, that's the thing is it's, they're all super obvious jump scares too. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about like jump scares that are like jump scare and then, oh, it's my friend. Ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. Not like a jump scare and then there's more dangerous things coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Too many. But it was, like I said, they were so obvious because it would like very clearly draw your attention one way, and you could tell that something was going to happen over here, and then they'll flash over and yeah, ah, ah, boo, <laughs> gotcha. <clears throat> um, so what do you think of the casting overall? I mean, you kind of talked about that briefly, but. Um, you know, I like all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was a departure for at least Donald Glover and Mark Duplass in my mind. Yeah, I've seen Mark Duplass in a lot of serious stuff, like the movies that him and his brother make are very kind of romantic dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing really like this, where he's you know fearful and. The, to, to my knowledge, this is his only horror movie to his credits. Um, I mean, he does that have that movie Creep that he's actually writing. Yeah. Um, and then Donald Glover is, you know, he's Troy. Right. <laughs> so it's it was interesting to see him just be completely straight-laced. I kept expecting him, like, to me, he should have been the comic relief. He was the guy I would have expected to be the comic relief mm-hmm. going into it. Because he's fucking funny. Yeah. Um, but I not to say that they did a bad job in any way. I, I think the whole cast did a very good job. Yeah, and they seem to work to get work well together. I think. Um, and one person who I did not know was in this that actually ties both of our movies together today is Ray Wise. Ray Wise, yeah, that was I saw him in the opening credits and oh shit, I didn't know he was in this. Turns out his role was about five minutes long. Right. <laughs> um, it's like, why would you hire somebody with that kind of clout, I guess, for five minutes? What's, yeah. what's the point? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like this is going to be like a fucking summer blockbuster where that right. kind of thing makes sense, but I don't know. Um, you know, I spent like probably the first 20 minutes or so of the movie trying to figure out where I knew that redhead, Eva, yeah, it's, uh, Sarah Bolger. She she plays um, Princess Aurora on Once Upon a Time. She's basically Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah. I knew I'd re- I'd recognized her, but I I didn't know where from either. So yeah, um, I don't know how necessary her character was. 
Uh, overall, I would say it. She could have easily been like her. Her character could have gone away, and the major parts of the story involving her could have gone to someone else. Yeah, and it wouldn't have made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Because um. she was a documentarian, and she was documenting all all of their work. Mm-hmm. But it's not like those tapes ever come into play. Yeah. Um, except, like, at one point they're reviewing their tapes. I, I don't recall why. It <clears throat> actually does come into play at one point or another um, because they start to suspect her of reporting basically their unsanctioned and illegal experiments um, because they're working off a grant from a university um, but the, or the people they or they're working at a university off a grant from some bio lab but their the grant holder is bought out by another company who Ray Wise works for and basically pulls the plug because they are doing unsanctioned experiments and they suspect that or I mean I should say this the main characters suspect that they wanted to steal all their research and work so they could do it themselves and right. make all the money off of it and that's what kind of prompts these kind of secret experiments that <clears throat> lead to Olivia Wilde's death um you know, her being electrocuted. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. Do you have really anything else to say about it? Um, you know, I, I feel like the first half was fine. It was, you know, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't really super entertaining. Mm. Um, and then the next third or so was pretty good and then the end I did not care for yeah uh, I don't know I think it would have been interesting to see the end earlier in the movie and then have like a new ending yeah um but I don't know it's that ending seemed very thrown together yeah it, it, it seemed disjointed yeah and like I said the whole thing where you're incorporating supernatural elements, even though the movie's not a supernatural movie. Uh, I don't know. You're, but yeah, disjointed. That's a good word to kind of explain the whole movie, I guess. Not not certain parts of it, because you know there are cohesive parts, but I think as a whole, it doesn't. These parts don't fit together. I almost wonder if they rewrote the ending. I I wouldn't have a hard time believing that because this was a movie that already existed, and then I think it was Blumhouse bought it. So I'm wondering if they, when they bought it, if they then rewrote the ending to make it more more Hollywood. Tommy Blum <laughs> loves Hollywood. Uh, you remember that- remember when Blumhouse like first started, and it was like I will see anything that Blumhouse puts out. Fucking Blumhouse rules. And now it's like, ah, fucking Blumhouse, really? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
Yeah, so should we talk numbers or anything else? Oh, I suppose so. Okay. Am I going first? Uh, if you want to. Um, like I said, the first half is fine. It's not... It's It's... it's it does what it needs to do. It develops the characters. It develops the the storyline going forward. Um, but it's not particularly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like the part after that. I like when the lights go out. Pretty much everything after that is 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 good. Um, and then, but then that ending is just disjointed and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So. I give it a four. Four, okay. Um, I have essentially the same thoughts as you. Like you know, like you said, the the beginning was really slow. Um, there's a lot of story development, I guess, but it seemed it seemed almost excessive. Um, it's like the whole thing with the dog. That was that took too long. Yeah. Um. They spent, I feel like they spent a little too much time explaining that um, Zoe and Frank have a strange relationship because they're fiancés. I don't, I don't know if you mentioned that or not. I didn't, but yeah. Um, but at one point they say, or she says that they agreed to push their wedding back until after they could get this serum working. Right. Um, so that kind of that's that sets up the disconnect in their relationship pretty well, I think. And it went on to kind of I don't know overemphasize everything. It, it seemed that way to me anyway. So, um, but then you're right the the middle the kind of the action part picked up the pace a little bit, but then the ending just dead on its feet I mean it just flopped so bad yeah um so um, I mean I don't I don't think I'm gonna be as harsh with my rating as you um because I mean it was it was an okay movie uh it had some good good scenes to it um I liked the story like I mean the premise was good I thought um I liked the premise. I just, I would, I just wish they had gone somewhere else with it. Yeah. Um, but all that being said, uh, I'd say this movie was a little tiny bit better than average. So I think I'll probably give it a six. Okay. All right. So that leads us into our next movie. Um, it is also a 2000, no, it's 2014, I think. Um, 2014 movie from the director's... No, uh, it's 15. Well, I know it came out... It just came out on VOD. Right, but he debuted... Uh, well, whatever. Okay, 2015 uh, from the director of Hatchet and Frozen and uh, Holliston, uh, Adam Green. Um, the Diary of Anne Frankenstein. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is Adam's, Adam Green's Digging Up the Marrow. In every society, there are the deviants, the ones who are 
pure evil. We've been shooting this documentary. Love to roll. Take one. 100 yards beneath the surface of the Earth exists a metropolis that mirrors ours in very many respects. I call it the Marrow. William Decker claims that he's found monsters. I'd see their shapes moving through the woods. Is he crazy? Um, is, he, is he mentally ill? Is it all a hoax? You believe this. You're a believer. What if this guy's conspiracy theories are all true? Please don't get hurt. It's right up there, the address to the marrow. Okay, do you, do you see anything? Oh, God, he's right here in front of us now. I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. Turn, turn it on. Turn no. the light. No, 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 no. Turn on the light if it's here. I want to no, see it. Turn off that light. Turn no. on the light. You're too blind to see what's going on around you. What are you going to see? You're going to see. Are you kidding me? You should just go. I warned you. I warned you some of them were dangerous. Mr. Decker. Just tell me the truth about one single thing. They know we found them. Stay away. Okay, so like I said, this is directed by Adam Green, um, somebody you've probably heard us talk about on the show numerous times. This is a movie we were both anticipating for quite a while because the dickhead kept talking about it on the fucking <laughs> Movie Crypt podcast. And we're... You know, I, I don't care much for how Adam Green handles himself, mm-hmm. at least on, on the the Movie Crypt podcast. Um you know, not to say that I disagree with everything he says. I just don't like the way he goes about it. Yeah. But the man makes good movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I enjoyed this one. Um, he has, I mean, you know, so many times on the, the movie crypt, particularly, he would reiterate how this isn't a found footage movie. It's a documentary. It's a manipulatory. It's a found. It's a found footage movie. It's it's a mockumentary. It's a found footage movie. It is a found footage movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's not fucking split hairs here. Um, but no one found it. It's his footage, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I mean, by nature, that's just it's it's a blanket term, I guess. Um, and that's that's what it was essentially, and. But, he, you know, in what he says, he, he's definitely right. It was done in a different fashion than than most. This was more along the lines of kind of the original found, uh, found footage, the Blair Witch Project, in which that started out with the intent of being a documentary and then turned into the shit show that it was. Right. Uh, so it's kind of along those same lines and it kind of recaptures that a little bit. Which is nice because, you know, Blair Witch Project was obviously one of the first of its kind, if not the first. Um, and the the way the the found footage genre has been kind of exploited and just raped and left for dead. Yeah, <laughs> um, it I could see it being hard to kind of recapture that original kind of thrill that. Blair Witch had, but he I, th- I feel like he did it pretty well. Um, so, basically, the story is that 
uh, Adam Green stars as himself. Um, he is filming a documentary. Um, before I'd seen this, I got the impression he was filming something uh, unrelated and kind of his pro- his project kind of went in this direction. But it now now having seen it, it's like he got a um, a composition book like stuffed with notes and pictures and stuff from a supposed fan, a man named William Decker, played by Ray Wise. Um, this is actually based on something that actually happened. Adam Green actually got, I think, I think just a letter from someone who told him that Victor Crowley is real and Adam Green totally messed up the story. <laughs> was that on the movie crib? I think so. I didn't catch that, or if I don't recall it. Um, anyway, so uh, him along with uh, Alex Pardee, no, sorry, um, Will Barrett, who is his kind of, his, seems like his hetero his life mate, and yeah, and his, and his like, designated director of photography, like he basically does camera work on all of his projects. Um Together they meet up with this William Decker and he goes on to explain that he has seen real monsters. And ah, ah, real monsters. Yeah, that. Um, and that they exist underground in a place that he has dubbed the Marrow. Um, <clears throat> now, needless to say, uh, Green and Barrett don't believe him for a fucking second um and so Decker kind of slowly jumps them into it and makes them exposes them to these creatures who are kind of explained as you know when somebody is born so physically deformed that they be kind of branded a freak and then they disappear never to be seen again you know the, the the you know the babies that are born with fucking no torso and like they're basically just legs or you know uh, there were some pretty disturbing images at the beginning yeah of some very deformed like conjoined twins yeah and... some very deformed uh, newborns um, <clears throat> and it's these people that. You know, they disappear from the face of the earth, quite literally. Um, And, you know, nobody ever seems to wonder where they go to. And Decker believes that he has discovered that these people, they find their own community. They're brought in to the Marrow, which is, like I said, basically a community of monsters. Um, A metropolis, he says. Well, he speculated. to have traveled around the country tracing these monsters and their different openings into the marrow and he suspected that there could be multiple like you said underground metropolises all interconnected through tunnels and and such um, all underground Um, and so he takes Green and Barrett out to an old cemetery out in some forest somewhere um, 
where they kind of stake out in in the middle of the night and try to find one of these monsters leaving through uh, coming up through an entrance to the marrow <clears throat> and so the movie basically progresses and you see green mostly becoming very convinced that this guy is not crazy that these monsters are real and when Decker explains to them that, you know, for the most part, they are reserved and quiet and, you know, maybe even kind, there is a percentage of these monsters that are violent and just want to be left alone. So, um, Basically, yeah, Green, he kind of goes on a quest to discover where these monsters come from and, you know, just find out all about the marrow and really kind of get inside Decker's head and find out who he is because he's very secretive and he has a way of, like, like if he says something that, you know, seemed like it kind of slipped out accidentally and Green asks him about it, he just immediately changes the subject or talks over him and starts asking about something else and um and that the thing that you're talking about right now never really gets explained no uh it doesn't i mean you have to make kind of some assumptions i guess yeah um but uh yeah this this movie kind of followed pretty typical adam green fashion in that it kind of I don't know. It leaves you hanging in the end a little bit. It doesn't. A bit, yeah. It doesn't wrap things up like it should. Yeah. Or you know, like you like you'd want it to. Um. But uh, I feel like it's it's interesting. I mean, like the, the concept is is great, especially the kind of the explanation of where these monsters come from, and the fact that they kind of retreat underground and just they kind of create their own community down there. Um, I feel like kind of the, the middle of the movie kind of stalls a little bit, a little bit. I would agree because it just gets kind of repetitive. Yeah. Because he really starts to question who Decker is and his legitimacy. Like, even though they've seen these things with their own eyes, um, he starts to question, you know, is Decker even who he says he is? Um, you know, he, he he claimed to be a former detective with the Boston Police Department. They actually travel to Boston. Boston? Just, you know, fucking Boston, dude. <laughs> I had a little chuckle when he actually said that. Or no, no. No, he said something else. They're walking through the forest. And he's like, it's fucking hot, dude. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway. <clears throat> so, yeah, they actually go to Boston and speak to an officer there to try and find out about Decker. Um, so he, yeah, it basically progresses that way and they, they kind of get closer and closer to the marrow and like finding out what it's all about. And it seems like, you know, maybe at a certain point they kind of get a little too close and then try to retreat, but I don't know. Um, I think that's maybe all I'll say about the story itself without revealing too much. Um, 
Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. So. Sure. Um, so, what did you think? Um, I like I like the look of the monsters a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're based on the art of Alex Pardee. Um, I kind of wish there were more. Yeah, definitely. There were, you know, for having. Uh, you know, Decker explains that these things are very shy. They're not not shy, but they try to stay out of the human eye. You know, they keep to themselves and only come out at night. Um, so you only see like a f- what four? I think five. There's there's one that I personally didn't see, and I kind of want to watch the movie again just to see it. That Adam Green pointed out on the on the movie crypts. Which one? Uh, Tombstone. I'm not sure which one that is. I think he said it was the first one that's on screen. Or second one. Oh. <laughs> what was the first one? I don't the remember goofy now, looking one? Not the one that they saw like when they flashed the light. Oh. I think, I think it might have been before that. I think it was... Remember when, um, when Decker was like, over there, and they were like, I can't see what it is. And then they look at the tape and they like lighten the tape and still couldn't see anything. Right. I think yeah. it's in that scene. Oh, okay. Cause um, he, he even said that most people don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay. That makes sense. Uh, I think my favorite was, was the little one that comes running out of the bushes. That one's name is chicken. Was was that chicken? That's chicken. Okay. Yeah, that thing was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it kind of just looked like a head with legs and a like a face on it. Like imagine, like it was you know what it looked like? It looked like a, a tiny blue slimer with legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, kind of like runs out. It's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what it kind of reminded me of was um, uh, shit. That fucking. Uh, orange or tangerine or whatever with the human eyes the annoying orange yeah um (laughs) that's what it reminded me of okay i think it's just because of that big oversized mouth on it (laughs) yeah um anyway yeah that come running comes running out of the bushes i'm just like what the fuck is that (laughs) anyway um, yeah all the monsters have names not all of them are said in the movie yeah and you know there are ones mentioned that you don't actually even see right um, you just, you know, Decker mentions them, and anyway. yeah, and yeah, never mind. There's one that gets mentioned, and then you see another one that looks like that one, but apparently it's a different one. Because he t- he shows the picture of Vance, oh, who, who has the bag on his head, yeah, yeah, and then you you see another monster later with the same bag on his head, but apparently that's not Vance. Okay, because I had that question, you know, that, that was something I wasn't sure about because you would think that, you know, Decker would maybe recognize him. Right. Again, but, this is something I only know because Adam Green talked about it right. on the podcast. But, it, yeah, the second one that has the bag on his head is called Blossom. Apt name. Right. <laughs> um. I did think it was funny that they had Alex Pardee in the movie as himself. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like to really solidify the the nature of this being a, a documentary, 
you know, like I said, Adam Green stars in, as himself. Will Barrett stars as himself. <clears throat> a lot of Adam Green's production team at Aeroscope is in it. They yeah, play himself. He's, Josh Ethier, who was in uh, Almost Human, yeah. is actually an editor at Aeroscope. Right. He plays himself. Kane Hodder plays himself. Tom Holland, Mick Garris all play themselves. Yeah, uh, uh, Green's ex-wife, Riley, she's in it. When they were still together. Right. Mm. Um, <laughs> pretty much, but also, um, you know, people kind of starts out at a um, a horror, well, presumably a horror convention. Yeah. Where Barrett or Green, whomever, whomever is asking these people about monsters, they interview Alex at party, uh, Tony Todd, um, the cast oh, of Holliston. Yeah. Um, Otis Yerungus, um, and, you know, all these icons, they ask them about monsters and if they think they're real or think they could be or, you know, things, things along that line or along those lines. And, um, so that really solidifies the idea that it is a, a documentary. Really the only person in the movie that doesn't play themselves is Ray Wise. Yeah, and uh, Adam Green actually said he got flack for that from some people who were like, oh, as soon as you see Ray Wise, it takes you out of the movie. And you all of a sudden, no, it's not real. And Adam Green's response was like, well, 10 minutes later, there's monsters. Yeah. So if you just waited, you would still know it's not real. Yeah, there are fucking monsters <laughs> in the goddamn movie. And it's like, they're pretty good. I mean, like as far as the animatronics and... You know, he talks a lot about the, the use of animatronics and CGI, like... Uh, you know, using them together, um, and I, I think it worked pretty well, especially for how little you like. You know, you're mostly just getting like quick glimpses of the monsters, right? Um, but it's like you still know that those aren't real. Like you look at them, and it's like, okay, well, that is fucking rubber monster, right? <laughs> so, um, not to say that they're bad looking. Mm. No, not at all. They're very really well done. Yeah. Um, Especially Blossom. Blossom looked awesome. Yeah. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> I like Kane Hodder when they're showing him the tape, and he's like, yeah, it looks fine. What's, What's it for? What's it for? <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't make him understand that it wasn't for anything. I, I couldn't tell if that was like a legit reaction <laughs> or if, if, that, if he was acting. Yeah, it was hard to tell sometimes because, you know, these people that you don't really consider uh actors you know that and playing it off so well like you know doing these interviews and um you know i think uh riley you know she was in an episode of uh or a couple episodes of holliston um she played adam's girlfriend towards the end of season two. Oh, that's right um and she was more believable in this than she was in that. Um, it's funny. He, he mentions a couple times in, in the movie about how everyone wants him to just drop everything and write season three of Holliston. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's just like a little subtle nod to all the fans. Could be, yeah. And I know Sarah Elbert, her, her, his producer there at Aeroscope, she's like, look, Adam, I don't want you to tell – I don't want to tell you to drop everything you're doing in – Right, uh, season three. But you need to drop everything you're doing for right season three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, even Barrett, who 
saw all the same things, who, who had been seeing all the same things that he was, was even saying, maybe we should stop. You should just work on Holliston. Yeah. It's like, yeah, maybe you should stop <laughs> fucking work on Holliston. God damn it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, and even his wife at one point saying, so when are you going to write the episodes? Like, <laughs> I will soon. <laughs> I think that was the, the first kind of nod was when, was her asking. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, anyway, so. And there's a scene where she has no pants on. There is a scene where she has no pants on. There's also a scene where she has no top on. You can't see anything, but. Oh, right. Yeah. It happened. <laughs> she was in all his shorts, too, before they split. She was in Saber. She was in Saber, yeah. Saber 1 and 2. I can't recall her in any others, though. Wow. She was in the... What was that called? Dream. Not Dream Warriors. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't know. There's another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's uh, some good stuff in here. Um, <clears throat> like you said, you know, Adam Green doesn't typically make a bad film. Uh, was, yeah, I got really excited when I saw Frozen Two was trending on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh wait." <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Um, not really. I think, like I said, my biggest complaint is that that one seemingly pivotal story point that never really gets addressed. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of would have liked to have seen the payoff on that. Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of figure that he was because he was trying to present it as a documentary that maybe not all those points were going to get covered and it took a little bit of assumption yeah what did you think of the end um the way it ended I don't typically like things that end that way um but I thought it worked um, the way it was set up, the way the ending was set up, I liked. Um, I can't really go into detail, but right. uh, basically, the you know there are cuts in between. You know, Green interview being interviewed or interviewing himself, basically, um, interspliced with secondary footage that were he was gathering you know at one point they set up um cameras in the forest to try and catch these monsters coming out of the marrow so I mean there's a lot of cutscenes you know to that footage and, and, and such and, um that's how the ending is kind of set up it's like it was, it was a scene of him speaking directly to the camera that cuts away to secondary footage and that's the ending of the movie. I, you know, I won't say much. I won't say anything more about that. Um, but the way he did that, I think, I think almost the 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 FaceTime with the camera was almost more effective than the ending itself. Yeah, 
I mean, mainly just to kind of see his body language and, like, how he was reacting. I kind of wish they would have just left it open even more. I feel like they kind of hit that middle spot where they they explain too much, but not everything. Okay. I, I can't really say much yeah, more without spoiling like a, it. But I don't, I don't want I mean, to like ask we, you about we it. We can talk about it more off mic if you want, but that's the way I feel is that there's like this point where it's like it leaves leaves it open enough to you know let your imagination explore and leave people questioning, or then there's tying everything up with a nice neat bow, and I feel like this fell somewhere in between there. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can see that. And like I said, I don't typically like endings that kind of leave you hanging a little bit. I like some resolution, but like I said, I, th- I felt like this one worked. All right, so I guess you, you have any more thoughts on this? or um, No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, shall I go first? Or? Uh, go for it. Okay. So, like I said, I enjoyed this movie, you know, as a whole. There were certain, like, like I mentioned, in the middle, it kind of drags a little bit, mainly because it's repetitive. I don't know if I actually mentioned... I can't remember if I actually explained that or not, but basically it comes to a point where Green starts to think that Decker is full of shit, and it's like a lot of back and forth between trusting him and not trusting him. Yeah. And that gets really redundant. But aside from that, I really enjoyed it. Um, It was uh, a lot of fun to watch, and... um, very inventive and again the creatures were just awesome uh, like you, you mentioned based on the art of Alex Pardee and that guy's just got a crazy style um, his company I don't know if he himself but his company Zero Friends is going to be at Emerald City Comic Con oh really yeah nice um, anyway so uh, this is a good movie I definitely recommend seeing it uh, it's uh you know, on demand. I, they're doing a, a, a limited theater tour. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. They're, they're which is if you can go, by all means go because it's yeah. it's an event. Yeah, it's like an an art show with Green and Party, and uh, I think they like auction off items from the movie, maybe or could be. I don't I don't remember, but um, yeah. And if you happen to be at the Alamo Draft House when they ran that and Everly. Drop us a line and let us let us know how that went. Yeah. Um, but anything or any way, anything. Um, I guess all things considered, uh, I really enjoy this, and I think I'll probably give it uh, an eight. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with you on most points. Um, I I think. Just based on past reviews, I'm not gonna go. I'm I'll, I'm gonna go with a seven. Um, but this is definitely something that I would watch again. Yeah, and like I said, I I, I don't like the way Adam Green carries himself a lot of times, but the man can make make a damn good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you. His 
his uh, contempt for, you know, he he calls them thieves, and by all accounts, they are. Um, but the way the the contempt he has for them, and the way he talks about it endlessly, it yeah. makes it seem it's really tacky. I think, and it's for me, it's like. That's part of it. I, I didn't really want to get into this, but now that we've already opened up this can of worms. Um, as a podcaster, when he says things like, if you don't buy my t-shirts, we're going to stop doing this show, I find that very insulting. Yeah, definitely. Because we do this show for absolutely nothing. We're actually paying money out of our pocket to do this show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, we have t-shirts for sale, but we're not sitting here threatening to stop doing the show if you don't buy them. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even sold a lot of them and we get like what we get what four dollars a piece yeah that's on the back end yeah um and so yeah we're not out there with gofundme pages we're not out you know just directly begging you for money or saying you know buy our t-shirts or or we'll stop doing the show none of that shit um so yeah like i said it's i i love the guy as a director he's he's got he's got a real visionary eye and make great films, but his his pr- presentation and his his reaction to piracy, which, like I said, is a it's an issue, and I I can see how it definitely does affect people in his position. But his the way he approaches it, the way he addresses it, is really tacky, and it, it it's upsetting at times. Yeah, because he he. You know him being a podcaster. When he he may be a filmmaker, but when he's on when he's hosting a podcast, he's a podcaster first, right? Um, and so the way he addresses his listeners, basically threatening them, tacky. Yeah. So, anyway, so well, you sorry your rating was seven seven yeah okay. All right. Well, I guess that's all for us this episode. Yep. Um, it's nice to get back in the seat and get things going again after such a long break. And, um, I really, I personally want to thank you all for coming back and, you know, staying with us after, even though we've been gone for so long. Um, yeah. So like, like we said at the beginning, we're going to hit the ground running. Got a, a drunken cinema coming out for you this weekend. Um, another one coming out next month. We've also got another thing that we're planning for next month. Um, Hopefully that all works out and uh, go check out the, the new grave podcast.com subscribe to the show. Uh, leave us some comments, leave us some feedback, uh, follow us on social media and feel free to send us reviews for our next movies, which will be muck and it follows. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I guess uh, what we'll do now is just, we'll, we'll leave you with, um, you know, typically I'll I'll put in a kind of a outro song with our episodes that kind of relate to usually the movies that we've reviewed. But uh, this one I wanted to do something a little special and uh, put in a song that, <laughs> uh, funny enough, uh, a song that my brother actually requested be played at his funeral. And we had two memorials for him. We had one down in L.A. and then we had another one up here in Seattle and um, we we played the played the song at both of them because it's uh, what he wanted. So uh, we're gonna take you out here with um, 
uh, more than a feeling by Boston. Um, so thanks again for joining us, guys. Um, until next time, I'm Skeletoni. And I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside. I used to know I